This year, millions will be diagnosed with low energy, but Planet Fitness has the cure. Boost your energy with tons of equipment in our clean and spacious clubs for $1 down and $10 a month. Offer extended through January 19th. See Home Club for details. So that way our radio affiliates can pick up tonight's show. And for some reason, this just blanked on me. Why did that happen? Oh, there it is. Hold on. I don't know what the heck is happening here, but it is rolling. It is rolling. Mr. L, how you doing? Uh, let's see. Who else do we have in our chat room? And uh, Richard Elmore, Pam Harris, Kim Stanley, thanks for coming on in. Vin Man, good to see you, my friend. Richard Elmore, TMI, good to have you here. And Jessica S- Garaji, welcome to SOR Chat. And uh, let's see here. Who else do we have? Val. Southwest PA, nice to see you. Mark Sanchez, thanks for coming on in. And uh, the rest of you, we're going to get to you here in a little bit. We got a power panel for you tonight. The UFO report has been uh, dropped finally. And we are going to get to that momentarily. The Super Chat is open. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So stick around for that. And uh, let's make this a great show. We got a great panel for you of very, very very smart people when it comes to UFOs. Horns up. Let's rock. Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website we have a very special show for you tonight and let the speculation begin after three months of waiting we finally have the ufo report it's been released out of washington dc and to many in the ufo land it's a gem with many golden nuggets to others it's a nothing burger with little to no substance on what is truly going on with the ufo phenomena On this special edition of Spaced Out Radio tonight, we are going the distance with a panel of guests and opinions as to whether or not we have moved closer to any sort of disclosure or if the confirmation of the UFO phenomena continues. Here is your panel for tonight. We have, from the UFO report here on Spaced Out Radio, we have Tim Senor, United Kingdom reporter, author, Graham Rendell, longtime uh, researcher, author, Don Schmidt, 
most known for his work on the Roswell incident. From the fifth pillar of emphasis on TikTok, one of the largest channels on UFOs, Dan Warren. Researcher Walter Bosley is with us as well. Nicole Sakic is back. She's a researcher extraordinaire. Researcher, journalist Christina Gomez, thank you so much for gathering on short notice tonight, panel. It has been a very, very busy day. And Dan Warren, I'm going to start with you on this one because, and I'm going to get you to unmute your mic, my friend. Uh, I'm going to start with you on this one because up leading up to this point, you have used a lot of humor on your TikTok in order to say, where the heck is this report? Where is it coming from? When is it going to drop? Finally, here we are. All right. So this, what he's referring to is a bunch of videos that I made where I was basically anxiously awaiting the uh, report. So I was making a chalkboard that basically said days until the UFO report. So I got to make it a zero today. So Big moment for me. I'm saving chalk from now on. I don't have to burn through as much of it as I've been using. Uh, but it, it's an important day. Uh, there's not a lot of significance, in my opinion, in the report itself, but the report is the significant event for today. But then also, as soon as it was released, there was just a waterfall of other information that came out. Chris Mellon put a report out. Um, Pat Flynn writer i think is his name the uh brigadier general for the air force put a present or uh, made some comments at the pentagon uh, just a bunch of stuff has come out i'm still catching up on some of it and having to make notes but in my opinion the biggest thing that came out today was courtesy of dean johnson where he got a hold of the slideshow presentation that uh, sean kirkpatrick put in front of i can't remember the exact committee that he was speaking to about what arrow does and there were some gems in that. That's the one that I think that we're going to have the most fun talking about as a group. Wow, that that is a lot. And there is a lot going on. Don Schmidt, I want to bring you in here because you are someone who has been following this story and you were considered one of the leading experts on the crash at Roswell and what happened in Corona back in 1947. When you look at this report and you see everything that's kind of playing down right now, are you looking at this, Don, as a positive step forward or is there just not enough that we were told it was going to be very a very open open process, yet there's a lot more handling of this behind closed doors. One of the elders of the panel this evening for having worked with Don, I apologize. I'm going to have to cut you off right there. We're literally getting about every fourth word from you. So uh, we're I, we're going to have to work on that. Uh, same question to you, Walter Bosley. As you have worked in the government, you have worked with uh, this subject quite a while. You've worked on the intelligence side of everything. You know, <clears throat> what's your opinion? Eh, you know, like so often these things... Um, it, it, what I see them doing to us is just dangling carrots as far as these government reports. And um, I would like to see us as a community of, you know, researchers in this to kind of wean ourselves off of expecting anything from these reports, because, you know, what they do know about what we want to know, I, I just don't think they're going to tell us. Um, 
they like to uh, put these things out because I think they think that it's going to um, assuage the clamor, you know, that uh, for, for what we want, you know, to know what they know. Um, now, you guys know my position. I, I come from a position where 99% of this or 90% of this, in, in my opinion, is, is it's going to turn out to be classified technology. They like to do the um, sleight of hand and they like to downplay it in the language, which this report does, you know, with all the unremarkable this and that. Um, but, uh, you know, the percentage that's going to be something that's not ours, you know, not of this earth or something, um, it, it's going to be very small. And I just don't see, I don't see these military, these kinds of reports revealing anything to us. So um, it's just all, it just keeps being a disappointment. Well, you know, a disappointment or not, there was a lot of news, Graham Rendell, on UFO Twitter today regarding this. Everybody getting excited, all the UFO Twitterites, you know, jumping in the air, you know, giving their, their fist pumps and doing what they need to do. And hey, it is an exciting day. I'm not blaming them. I'm not making fun. You know, but it is an exciting day because we got something to talk about here, you know, but there is a reality when we break this down. I mean, we look to the United States. You're part of the Commonwealth. I'm part of the Commonwealth. We look to the United States as leaders in this subject on where we are going and where it's going to take us in the future. From the UK perspective, how does this report look? quite frankly we're jealous across here this side of the atlantic because we don't have this kind of reporting we don't have this kind of openness so you know anything that comes along like this that we look at and we think wish we could do this as well wish the 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 ministry of defense in london would actually come out with this kind of report rather than just the oh there's nothing to see here move on mantra that they've adopted for the last 30 40 50 years um I'm a bit in two minds about this report, though, because, yes, you mentioned about the, the explosion on UFO Twitter. I went to bed for six hours last night because it's, what, six, it's uh, 5.15 in the morning here in the UK. And when I woke up, um, you know, Twitter was awash with comments, good and bad. So I guess it, it depends on which side of the fence you fall as to how cynical you are or how um, sort of accommodating you are about the whole thing as to what you'll take from it. So, But there are positives and negatives like everything else, and I'm sure we're going to discuss this as we go on. Christina, you're part of the younger generation here that kind of, you know, I want to bring in because I really trust your opinion on, on, you know, me being an old dude here coming up on 50 and I need to be able to figure out what that young generation is uh, looking at when it comes to this. Are you viewing this any differently? Are you viewing this as uh, uh, just a nothing burger or are you looking at this as something where, hey, it is a step closer. Let's try and be positive. I wasn't expecting anything earth shattering or any revelations and I but I definitely was expecting more than an eight and a half pages of text and more of more of them are half pages and not including the index and the appendix after over two months of delays in releasing. Now, many people in the UFO community are, again, disappointed, while others, like you had mentioned, are seeing them, uh, seeing little pieces as diamonds. And then you have a percentage that says that this that what has been left unsaid speaks volumes as dan had mentioned now i do believe the best is yet to come not only in future reports but also the analysis of the report of those intimately aware of how things work behind the scenes 
and others with their fingers on the pulse on the Intel community, such as Walter right here. So I think a big, big takeaway from uh, for me was that the report states that these unknowns are still making incursions into secure and controlled airspace. And I think that overall, while there was a lot of bureaucratic jargon, as Chris Mellon had mentioned in his article, we still finally got a report like we were promised to get. Was it late? Yes, absolutely. But let's say we were to speak to ourselves or people in the community 10 years back stating, do you think the government would ever release anything? we would be laughed at. And yet here we are in 2023, actually having this conversation seriously, having an incredible panel, going into depth on these reports and getting the reports that we were promised. That is very true. That is very true. It is a little bit step-by-step, Nicole Sackage, as we bring you in here. You know, the idea that Sometimes a little piece of cheese to feed a hunger is better than nothing. And and maybe that's the way we should be looking at this report. Uh, Nicole, you're everybody. Sorry, you were freezing up there for a moment. I've lost everybody. Am I back now? Yes. Or you guys are back. But I was going to say, um, I do think our expectations have been high and we've wanted to see this snowball continue to grow as it's rolling down this mountain uh, to disclosure. But I think when we're still talking about the statistics of this report has put out, we have gotten more cases. I don't want us to forget that it still falls into our community standards that we've seen over decades and decades. And this, I think Don could speak to this as well. This is still giving us kind of an example of after the investigations, after we look into this, we're still getting what I call that Heineck 5%. 5% is still unknown and they can't explain it no matter what their, you know, six were attributed to clutter, 163 were characterized as balloon or balloon-like entities, which I thought was an interesting uh, wordage used there. And then we did also have another interesting rephrase where they characterized 26 as unmanned aircraft systems. I hadn't seen that before, you know, which I've been dealing with the Air Force a lot lately, and they will just relentlessly throw out drones and not even foreign drones so much, but they're calling them. Uh, Nicole, you froze up again there. You froze up a little bit there. To see that um, the bulk of these cases and what's been reported in is still from the Navy and the U.S. Air Force, but then you haven't heard that there's follow-up. At least that's not what I'm getting from individuals, pilots in the Air Force that have reported. There's not an Office of Special Investigations. They haven't heard from anybody specifically within Arrow. 
And that's disappointing to me. I thought this report would have a little more follow-up on the first report. And I didn't really see any more in-depth into what they already have before them. To me, we've gotten a regurgitation of there's more and we're still getting organized. This person's going to do that. This person's, you know. And so I don't want to call it a nothing burger. Um, I think we should be proud that, you know, this is still in the forefront and our community is pushing for this and we're actually being listened to. But I'm still not sure we're getting listened to in the ways we want. So. All right, let's bring in Tim Sweenor here for a minute here because uh, we want to get your voice. Tim, uh, you and I were talking about this earlier today. We talked about it on the UFO report last night as well. And, you know, overall, we, we weren't sure when this report was going to come out. And then a little spy in our chat room last night, Jonathan Davies uh, from the UK states, expect the report tomorrow or the next day. And bang on, here it comes. Here we are with the UFO report. I mean, sometimes it just works that way. Were you expecting things to go down this way with the report, Tim? Yeah, this actually delivered in every way I had expectations for, um, kind of including some of the mandates and requirements that we saw highlighted, because that's really what we got out of this. And again, I like to think of this as maybe the bare bones, the skeletons of what the classified report looked like. And so based on this, I can definitely make some considerations what the classified report potentially looked like. And so that's kind of gold to me. I know there's not a lot here, but again, I'm a really, I always see a positive at anything in this. I am relatively new to the topic, but at the same rate, the way I evaluate this is that they are talking about something that they've never talked about before. This is a second report on a topic that we're literally having to pry away from them. They don't want to release reports. They don't want to talk about the subject. And this to me is gold. The fact that they're actually talking about it. So um, I like to highlight the positive. And again, I brought away from this, that there was 171 cases that are completely still unidentified in their opinion. And so to me, it's still massive. And and I think that's the way we, it, we should look at it. Don Schmidt, let's try and get you back in here because I think you have a, and a very uh, impressionable opinion here, and hopefully your audio uh, holds out for us here. But your overall thoughts, Don, regarding the report. I mean, happy, disappointed, finally glad it's out? I'd be muted now. Uh, let me check here. Yeah, there we go. Okay, we got you. Well, let's try that again. Uh, we're just having some tech issues with Don. Don, let's try that again. You know, are you happy, unhappy, blasé about the report? Hmm. 
We are having audio issues here. Don, unfortunately, none of us can hear what you were saying. Uh, you know, we got about five minutes to go here before we go to break at the bottom of the hour. And it's an SOR special report on the UFO report that was released today. Christina, I want to go back to you here for a second because, you know, you have worked your sources about this topic for quite a while here. When was it going to come out? When it was going to, to break? Did you have any preconceived? notions on what was going to happen today? Absolutely not. I was in the dark like so many others in the community and I was honestly shocked to I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw the posts and I'm like, oh my gosh, love Twitter. <laughs> they, they keep me up to date. So as soon as I saw it, I, I tried to digest it the best I could. And the first round, I'm like, with with my mentality being a part of Gen Z, I'm reading it and I'm like, what did I just read? Like, what does this mean? But as I read it a few more times and took my time reading it, because that first time it was pure excitement, of course, right? But then after reading it a second and third time, I'm like, okay, now I understand what they're saying. And they're saying practically nothing in like several paragraphs. How do you feel about that? You know, what was missing for you? What did you want to see? I think when it comes to this topic, when we're dealing with the Pentagon, once again, I expected nothing less. The way that they formulate their papers, they try to discourage people to not want to read it because it can be rather difficult if you're not familiar with the jargon or even the topic as a whole, which is the majority of people. And that's where we come in and fill in those gaps, having these conversations. But for myself, like so many others, either if you're interested in the topic or not, of course you want to hear the terms it was extraterrestrials. We have found them. Something like this, you know? But at the same time, we're not going to be receiving that type of information on a silver spoon. And that's why so many people are disappointed is because that's the information that they're expecting to get. And they're I don't think they're ever going to get that. And something that I've said for quite some time is disclosure is going to come from the people, not the government. However, it is fantastic that the government is getting involved publicly with with these conversations while we're not getting anything 10 years back this topic this this mentality that us getting information from them would have been laughed at like you're absolutely crazy that would never happen but we have proved ourselves wrong time and time again in these last few years since 2017 that is very true and and, you know what a lot of us i think have to remember uh, Walter Bosley, as I'm going to turn to you here, is uh, we got about two minutes to go. Is for all of us in this in this field, we're used to it. We want that next step. We want that next phase of information, yeah. like Christina said. But for the mainstream public, they're still on baby steps. They're still putting together Duplo blocks while we're building, you know, Star Wars uh, action figures True. out of Lego. You know what I'm saying? You know, how do, yeah. we, how do we blend those two? Because I can see where the UFO community is upset, but I can also see where the general public is saying, holy cow, what is this going on here? Well, a couple of things real quickly. Um, it's it's up to those of us like us here who are up more up to speed on, on things to bring the, you know, the, the newbie folks up to speed it, it, it's up to us to bring them up to more accurate speed we can't leave them to go to these government reports the other quick thing i'll say because i know you got to go to break is the one thing we in the community can take great pleasure in because i've seen this from the inside no government agency likes to be made 
to do these kinds of reports. You know, Congress ordered this. I guarantee you they don't like having to do these. The fact that they even have to do them, even if they're not giving us anything, this grates on them because they would rather not do this at all. Look how long they went without doing this kind of thing. So that's a small victory. That is a small victory. And just by forcing them to do it, you know, we can we can take some some victory in that for sure. Um, but uh, whether we'll get anything out of them, um, it, it all depends. And I agree with uh, not only do I think, yeah, disclosure is going to come from the people. Actually, I think disclosure is going to come from the ETs, whoever, whatever they are. I think when they decide they want to disclose themselves to the, the world, they're just going to do it. They're not going to care about what our governments and stuff say. And, and that's what I'm I'd be looking for. I hope I live to see that. I think we all hope to live to see that, you know, as long as it's not like V, you know, we'll, we'll be okay, you know, because I don't need some reptilian ripping off my face just because he thinks I'm chunky and look like a big candy bar. Don't need that, you know, but nonetheless, panel, we are going to go to the break here at the bottom of the hour, Spaced Out Radio special report tonight on the UFO report. We are joined by Tim Senor, Graham Randall, author and researcher, researcher Nicole Sackage from Fifth Pillar of uh, Emphasis on TikTok, Dan Warren, Christina Gomez, journalist, podcaster, researcher, Walter Bosley, researcher, and Roswell expert, Don Schmidt. We'll be right back. All right, we are clear for our radio audience. YouTube can still hear us. And uh, Don, are you? Are we still struggling here, buddy? Uh, what I'm going to recommend, Don, is maybe turn your camera off, so that way we can maybe just get audio. Maybe that'll work. If, if that doesn't work, do we need to reboot and just start from scratch and try again? Oh, can't do that, man. I've got this side going. I've already not got, you, I, not you, Don. Yeah, I uh, I've already got a snafu happening right here with Spreaker that uh, I'm a little concerned about, but. Mm. But I'm thinking maybe Don needs to reboot his computer. I think he has a couple of times though. That's that's the problem. I know he's rebooted. What, what the- part of the what part of the country is he in? Because you know we got all that hell going on in the southeast. I don't. know. I just had family. I'm thinking everyone Alabama. fine. That's what I. I mean. uh, yeah. Don, okay. Don, is there any way you can plug in? Uh, is your computer hardlined in, or is it just on a Wi-Fi connection right now? How is any okay? Any better? A little bit, yes. Does anyone ever do uh, podcasts via their smartphone? I feel like Stephen Greer does all his interviews over a smartphone instead of a computer. Maybe we can convert to that. I was Stop. doing it for a year and a half, and um, nobody knew the difference. For the, um, It was when the smartphones took that next leap, and it worked great. But then it just, um, after a while, didn't so much. But um, it's good in a pinch. Yeah. It might be an improvement for Don based on the quality of his connection so far. 
All right. So where's everybody from? I'm in the southeast in Middle Tennessee. You guys are all in places Southern. where there is no snow. Oh, so they they get less than an inch, man. Oh, they close yeah. the schools. We've got snow on the hills here, just a couple of about twenty miles up the up the valley from where I live, and in the middle of the one of the Durham Dales, we've got snow. So, I can an break. uncharacteristic amount of rain in Southern California we've been having, but we're loving it. I will tell you right now, when I need ice, I just go out on my patio and scoop up a glass of snow. <laughs> And uh, I'll tell you, if you ever want to try a good drink, Fireball and snow is very nice. A nice glass of the, snow. The videos that I think are so cool is like when it's super cold and they like fry an egg and it like freezes or like they throw boiling water and that freezes midair. I find those videos yet. like so wild. I meant to do that. Like, I love the snow, but not into that kind of snow. I, I meant I meant to do that a couple of weeks ago when we were at we were at minus thirty seven Fahrenheit. Dang. And uh, and I meant to go outside and do that. And I totally forgot about it because well, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, it was so freaking cold outside. You know, I mean, you just stayed in your bathtub. That's what you did. I just stayed in my <laughs> bathtub. That's right. That's right. I, I talked to Dave twice today, and both times he was like, I'm warming up in my bathtub. I'll call you back. And I'm like, what's right. wrong with you? That is right. It works. You need a hot tub, not a bathtub, a hot tub. You know you know what? It, it's so, it got so cold up here a few weeks ago that it actually turns diesel gas into gelatin. Oh jeez! Yeah, are you serious? No, I'm dead That's serious. Amazing, I, I'm yeah. not even not even playing with that. Turns D. I I didn't even know that could happen. I learned that this year. <laughs> so the ice truckers must have some additive they have to put in the uh, fuel tank, right? N- no, they don't. Uh, you go usually from our area if you're working outside or in your vehicle. You never stop your vehicle, even when you're filling it up. Oh, you never stop. That, okay. It. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, that That's why work. you never buy an Alberta or an oil patch vehicle from Canada because it may only have like 50,000 miles on it, but the engine's got about 150,000 miles on it. Good to know. I saw on TikTok a guy um, who hollows out big tree stumps, lines them, and then turns those into hot tubs. It's pretty cool, like redwood tree stumps, you know. And That's exciting. It's pretty cool, yeah. Talking about TikTok, Dan, I love I love your content. Wait, waiting for the report. I was watching them and I'm like, come on, come on, when are we gonna get the report? But they were so unique and so comical. And I love how you got your family involved too. They're they were really well done. Yeah, the 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 TikTok audience didn't like them as much as the Twitter universe <laughs> did. Like you on Twitter you ate mean. those things Hold up, on, guys. man. Like that was, <laughs> that was a little too inside baseball. Here we go, guys. Totally get you. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio's special report tonight is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you 
Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. The UFO report dropped today, and we have a special panel tonight. Graham Rendell from the United Kingdom. He's an author and researcher, researcher Nicole Sackage, journalist, podcaster, researcher, Christina Gomez, researcher and investigator, former government alphabet agent, Walter Bosley from TikTok fame. Dan Warren is here and from the UFO report, our resident Tim Bit, little Timmy Senor, who's got the report. Uh, Don Schmidt is having some audio. I'm not sure if he is going to be back. Nicole, maybe you could update us on that or if he's rebooting his computer. I'll try. All right. I would appreciate that because we're trying to get Don Schmidt in here. Uh, Let's start with you on this one, Tim. Right before the break, we were asking, what was missing for you? Okay. In their report, I mean, there's a lot there that we can shine on, but there's a lot missing as well. What, how about for you, Tim? Yeah. So what screamed missing was what they planned to do as far as delivering to the public. There was nothing about that that I could gather. Um, I've scanned it a few times. I think I've, you know, done what I can to see anything there. And I couldn't see anything about how they expect to deliver any information to the public. Um, I've heard some stuff behind the scenes on theory, but um, have any of you guys got any insight as to if that's even in any any of the words here? No. They do talk about involving the Undersecretary of Defense of Public Affairs to help, I think it said, mainstream some communications. I don't know if to me, that, that would start with their Twitter account that they need to start being more active on. They've only tweeted twice since its creation over six months ago. So they're not doing a good job being transparent and communicating openly at present. So hopefully that is something that they'll they'll get better at as time goes on. But if the, uh, the, if the Department of Defense gets more involved, I got a feeling they're going to be less willing to communicate to us. So if, if it was just Arrow, I think we'd get more communication from them. Uh, but once it starts going through multiple layers of bureaucracy, I think it gets more difficult, which is, I think, one of the things that uh, it has caused us to have a lot of things missing from this report is it was probably passed around to different departments and everybody took something out of it that they didn't want something in that they didn't want in it. And it resulted in a, a pretty skeletal uh, report, in my opinion. But I do like to think that this effort since it is the first report that Aero has put together is the skinny end of the wedge that is going to hopefully get us some more information to come out. Um, we need to do our part, of course, but they need to do their part as well. They, they do report to the American citizens, so they do need to be cooperative with us and communicate with us. And it's not just an American issue. It's a global issue. They're the forefront of this issue, and this is their time to make history. This is their time to be written in the history books forever and ever. And we'll, we'll see if Kirkpatrick is a name that goes down in history. Yeah. Could that, I just quickly, yeah, I'm sorry. Ahead, could, could I quickly follow up then um, with the word for word out of the report, how it is saying here that there will be um, comprehensive manner for the IC to work. And in particular, NIM or NIM aviation will remain the IC's focal point for UAP issues while Arrow is the DOD focal point for these issues related to activities. 
how did you understand that to mean? I don't see anything here. Now, this was where I was looking to the, about exactly what you were talking about. How did you understand that to mean that they're dividing this? And are we only going to be delivered through arrow? Any information? I wasn't speaking on that part in particular, but that is an interesting point because it does sound like they are going to start trying to slice this in half in one group, which if you don't know, the NIM aviation group was the one that put out the logo that had the UFO on it and then retracted it as soon as UFO Twitter found out about it a few months ago. So, so they're involved, but they're going to be the representative that communicates with the intelligence community is the way that I was reading that they're going to be the point man for all things intelligence community. And AERO is going to be the primary point of contact for all things DOD. Those two organizations are going to start to work together to create these reports, which when you do look in the uh, report that just came out, they do say that the quarterly reports to policymakers contain greater detail of UAP events than this report did. So they're working together to get valuable information distributed on a quarterly basis to the policymakers, the congressmen, that we're not going to see, unfortunately. They're, that doesn't have a public-facing element right. to it. So we're, we're going to be stuck with the, with the annual reports that get watered down. Graham Rendell, I want to bring you in here because one of the things that I've noticed in this report is how there's a lot more of what is going on behind the scenes. It seems like a lot of this is going to stay in the dark from the public. You know, when they announced, you know, that there was an increase in reports and sightings, I thought that was very healthy, but they weren't telling us what those anomalous ones were. They seemed to dodge those to tell us more about balloons and drones, etc. What's your thoughts on that? Um, as a historian, I'm sort of reminded of what the, the summary of Blue Book's uh, status report number 14 from May 1955 said. And if people have ever read it, it's a similar kind of thing where they're trying to push the fact that, oh, yes, we've, we've identified all these reports and there's only a small amount that need to be identified. And what they're not saying here is that actually 143 cases from the first, the first preliminary report, you know, they're not being addressed. So if you add those to the 171, that they, they can't explain at the moment. That's uh, that's a quite significant proportion of the 510 cases. So there's actually quite a lot of information they're not telling people. Um, and buried away in there is the detail, but we're not getting the detail. Effectively, it's like you know we're being given a jigsaw with half the pieces missing and not even the cover of the box, so we even know what we're trying to put together. Because and so we're trying to explain or trying to make sense of something where we simply don't have you know much of the information bar what's in this summary. Um, the Blue Book report from 55, all that was released was a press, uh, a press release and the summary. So we've got a similar situation is where you know, we're trying to make sense of incomplete information. We're not going to get that detail because it's in the classified section. So we're, be we're basically reduced to just trying to pick out words and phrases from a an executive summary, which is effectively just management reporting. I've seen things like this in our National Health Service in the UK, where they, they, they're trying to you know, gloss over inconvenient facts um, and try to manipulate figures and, and tell a story which may not be the, the, the one where everybody wants to hear or it's the one that they want to push. Um, so it, it just, you know, I've seen this before. But also you have to wonder, this is a two-month delay, delayed report. 
So what have they taken out of it? Why has it taken two months to come out with this? As Christina says, you know, it's uh, what seven pages in total, of which a lot of it's like just uh, white space, and therefore they could have probably cut it down to three or four, maybe five pages total. Um, the um, Sean Kirkpatrick, his uh, presentation to the Transportation Research Board yesterday, that was the one that you know you, could, you didn't know the name of uh, earlier. I think um, it was Tim, I think, mentioned it, or, or Dan mentioned it, I can't remember who. Um, that had a lot more detail in it in terms of you know, what they were doing and uh, what they were trying to achieve. So people should maybe have a look um, to try and find the slides for that because they're really interesting. And it actually mentions the possible recovery as well of, of, um, you know, of UAP. So th there's some interesting little details in there. But as for this report, no, I, we're not expecting anything, anything more than is there. There's just a lot um, of, of words which don't really say a huge amount. And it seems like, to me, it's almost as if they've been pushed to actually get it out for a second deadline. And this is the best they've been able to come up with in a very short space of time. That might be me just like, you know, just talking off the top of my head. But that's what it looks like to me, having seen similar things like that through management structures in the UK. Um, yeah, it's it's all very frustrating. But then again, you know, that's what we have to contend with on a day to day business uh, basis. So I wasn't expecting much else than that. All right, Walter Bosley, I mean, there was a lack of excitement about this. Christina said it very well right off the bat where, you know, the, the pages are, are, you know, almost 12 pages, but, you know, the report in reality is maybe four and a half and it doesn't mm -hmm. give a lot of gems in there outside of the numbers going up on the military side. I mean, what... At what point does the government have to stop looking at just military encounters or FAA encounters? When do they ha need to start expanding this to get any true sort of statistic? I, <clears throat> I think they are looking at all encounters, and they have been all along, in spite of what they've told us over the decades, in spite of what people conclude. Of course they're looking at, at encounters that would even include the ones we're hoping to find out about extraterrestrials there th of course they're looking at that stuff but um you know at least in the united states i can't speak for the uk and other places but at least in the united states the the issue is yes over the years the public has become more interested in the subject of this but in the u.s they've got to become more engaged in it to get the government to push the dod to reveal anything substantial and um it, it, when it's just the way our government works you know when they think the people are are you know when it becomes one of those things where it uh, quite frankly is in the top five of issues in an election that's when they pay attention to it and that's when they start telling government agencies okay you need to open up and talk about this because hey let's face it um even um the CIA was forced to come clean on MK Ultra in 1973, if we recall, you know, with the church committee, because there were some things going on that caught the attention of, you know, people. And, and it it caused enough of an issue that, you know, even that had to come clean to a degree. But um, yeah, that's what it is. And, and the DOD, I don't think they feel any pressure to really give us anything because I don't think they're getting any pressure to to give us anything because again our community we're engaged but the general public in the united states has to really be engaged with this for them to um 
care about, you know, making sure these things are substantial. Uh, in my opinion, that's, you know, the way I see the DOD on that. All right. Well, let's get Nicole. One thing that we... Oh, go ahead, Christina. Sorry. One thing that we are seeing, Walter, is mm-hmm. that more congressmen are getting interested. For True. instance, in the congressional hearing back in May, we had... Gallagher asked some really tough questions, which we talked here on SOR when Mm -hmm. that was released. He was interested. Then we have Congressman Tim Burchette, who has showed some real interest in the conversation. And Mm -hmm. today he posted on Twitter in regards to the UAP report that, quote, Mm -hmm. yes, it's a cover up. Now, from my understanding from that very short sentence, Mm -hmm. it goes to show that he there must be more that he knows that he simply can't talk about. He read the report and he was rather disappointed like the rest of us. Us, but it is because of people like himself and others that are in a position of power that can also influence the conversation as well. But I totally True. agree with you. Uh, we, the people, need to get more involved. We need to inspire more people. Yeah. Uh, no matter big the numbers. Exactly. Big, big numbers, numbers is what's most important. So I, I am with you on that. But I am seeing some progress in, in regards to congressmen. If we can get, if we can get about... 25 senators, you know, or, or 25 to 50 senators, you know, get, getting upwards to where half of our Congress is saying our constituents are demanding to know this. That's going to get the attention of the people who can pressure the DOD to give us something. And so I think, it, it is the right track, but we just need to expand. I think the people that are going to have the most influence are those uh, members of the Senate that are on the appropriations committees. Once, once you start grabbing and jiggling and pulling on the purse strings you're going to get their attention really quick and we we do have some members that are wearing multiple hats on multiple committees Mm -hmm. that do have influence on the appropriations committee and so those are the people that i hope that uh us our community starts to figure out who they are because it's easy to find out who they are i can't rattle them off from my uh, shoot from the hip but well also the purse strings, but also if a congressman thinks that he or she's not going to get reelected and it has something to do with this issue, you'll see that congressman suddenly get real engaged with pressing on it. So that's another thing. It's easy publicity to any any yeah. politician that talks about the UFO subject on Twitter. That is their most liked, shared, retweeted comments that that's they'll right. make all year long. That's that's our power as a social media yeah. platform. We can use that to our advantage, and that's what we need listeners to do: get engaged on UFO Twitter, keep an eye out for politicians that are saying things positive about the UAP investigation, and support them, and say thank you, and be polite. Nicole Sackage, let's hear from you on this. You know, I mean, we need engagement. We need people to start taking this seriously. You know, we know that our field loves this. We know our field is going to shred this report apart, every word. And I'm not saying that to be negative, but we are literally going to break down every word to make sure there, if there's even one space or the old-fashioned two spaces before after a period. You know, I mean, that's how critical we're going to be. I mean, for you, Nicole, what is missing in this? Where did you feel this report uh, fell short as well as where it gained progress? Um, I think where it fell short was where they were listing all the three letter agencies and all of our branches of military, where it fell short for me was space force was missing. 
It wasn't listed in this at all, which was kind of astounding to me. I mean, there are Mm -hmm. guardians, right? Like they're controlling all the satellites and protecting the world. Like to me, in my mind, they already have all this sensor capability that this report talks about collecting and utilizing and centralizing. Isn't it already centralized in Space Force? I don't, maybe I'm looking at that a little wrong. I want to also point out maybe what I liked most was, um, especially over this last year, we've seen Ryan Graves really championing, championing our cause here in terms of flight safety, which if you know the history of this disclosure movement, you know, flight safety has been like the attack stance from back in the Greer and the citizens disclosure movement. They knew they could get people's attention. And Mellon has said this and Elizondo has said this as well. They knew they had a niche with that, that people would pay attention and listen to them. And Leslie Keene, I think, started this 20 years ago, plus 20 years ago now. She really started pushing this in the things that she wrote, the people that she approached and spoke with. So I did like how um, they addressed flight safety concerns, taking this seriously. But then they went that little extra step by saying, you know, there's never been in-air collisions, you know, And then I also liked in that paragraph where they included the health implications. And this is kind of a hot topic for a lot of conversations that Grant Cameron and I have with experiencers. We want to know if this phenomenon has interacted with you in a positive way or a negative way. Um, Orbs come up, you know, a lot as being dangerous or harmful or healing. And of course, with the work that we all know Gary Nolan has been putting into our community. And for them to come out and say at this time that they cannot directly link any health concerns to interactions with or UAP was kind of shocking to me, but I, I guess I'm 50-50 on this. I know and believe in cases where people have been harmed or maybe there's possible health related issues because of their experience. But then I've also, I'm on the other side of the coin where I hear about so many cases of healing. And I was surprised that they gave us that little snippet. And then I was excited because I am kind of on the side of the fence where I truly don't think these are threatening in a threat narrative where we all need to be on high alert for an invasion or, you know, ET or people eaters or whatever your bad scenario is. So yeah, that was probably my, my disappointment with space force and my excitement was how they address the flight safety and health concerns. Real, real quick on the Space Force thing, if you look at the footnote on page three of the report, it does say that this report or the fiscal year 2022 NDA expands the definition of UAP to include air, sea, and transmedium objects. And this report maintains that nomenclature during the transition phase and stand up of aero. So they don't even include space, uh, space 
foreign objects in this report. But in the presentation that Kirkpatrick gave to Congress yesterday or to whatever that committee was, they do use the new term and they do include information about space in it. So I think there's a delineation between the two. Right. And I will say, I know this uh, wording is always a source of contention. Like, I think it was over the last year, maybe year and a half, we have heard about pushback from the Air Force. It's like, oh, we don't have to report stuff from space because, you know, space is not atmosphere. (laughs) You know, like just little verbiage like that or wordage like that to that prompted them to change it from unidentified aerial phenomenon to anomalous, which, you know, a late report can't even give the most updated acronym or wording for this. That annoyed me. It it truly did. That's typical air force. (laughs) Well, we've seen it more than just that though. Like I pointed out um, a few minutes ago, we've heard unmanned aircraft systems. Mm Mm-hmm. You know. well, that's a phrase that's been used for quite a while now when they talk about drones, certainly in the UK, where they talk about air proxies, which are, you know, where aircraft and objects come in close proximity to each other, like near misses, I suppose uh, you would call them. And they do, they use the, the phrase UAS, and they have used that for quite a while. So it, it's right. nothing new in terms of what I've heard. But yeah, you're right. In this type of terminology, in this kind of report, it is a new one rather than just drone. Um, the thing about, one of the things I was thinking was, sorry, you got... I was going to say, I guess it's just more inconsistent use of these phrases, you know, so they talk about like streamlining their reporting and we all know they, they backed off their latest Ackerman, what, whatever they were going to change arrow to. And then they were like, Oh, never mind, We'll leave it as arrow. That's good. It's like, I wish they would stick to UFO UAP. Yes. Now we got, we got trans medium vehicles for a while. We had uh USO, um what's another this one? is this is this is like another preliminary report though isn't it really because it, it's arrow's you know first report whereas right. the, the, the previous one was the uap task forces preliminary report so you know i suppose if you're going to be charitable you're going to cut them a little bit of slack because they're in a settling down period if you like um hmm. yes okay we can, I, can, I can be charitable at six o'clock in the morning but it's um you know, that, that's what they're doing. The thing I thought was also missed out was they were talking about the increased number of reports from the Air Force and the U.S. Navy, but they didn't give a breakdown. So in, in, as far as I'm concerned, an increased number of reports from the Air Force could be three reports because, you know, that they, they, they were dragging their heels. Chris Mellon said that, you know, that they were, they were dragging their heels. A few other people have said that they're the ones who are, you know, there was probably pushback from. So you just have to wonder, you know, how engaged are the U.S. Air Force in this because they've got a tradition of being really, against this kind of thing haven't they yeah their their u.s air force engagement i guarantee you is you know deep and and very much hands-on um but you know like like uh, nicole was saying about the terms uh, when it comes to the u.s government particularly dod it's either a a very clever uh game they're playing to confuse us or it's bureaucratic cluster that right. they can't be on the same page yet. <laughs> Walter, I'm going to, and panel, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because we are going to go to break here at the top of the hour. One hour down, two hours to go. This special report, as the UFO report has finally landed, at least something's landed regarding this subject on Earth, even if it is in Washington, D.C. We got a great panel that will return right after this. Stay tuned.
Great job, guys. I'll be right back. Just remember, our, okay, our Dave, YouTube so, audience can hear us, yes. So is the pattern always at the 30-minute mark exactly? That's when you go to have to go to commercial like, 50, when it's live streaming like this, or how does it work? 29, 29 and 59. 29 and 59, okay. 29 and 59. That's why when I start doing the circle, Christina is all of a sudden like, oh, that, I've learned that. That's time to shut up. That's a broadcasting. You know that, Christina. All of a sudden, you're DJ in the booth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> I first saw you do that, Dave. I thought you were doing like a whoopity doo. Uh, yes. <laughs> Condescending. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a message from Don if yeah. you'd like me to read it. <laughs> His he tried rebooting his system, and he said what normally reboots in a minute took over three, and his whole system is moving like molasses. Uh, but that's like I can read a statement for him, though. Yeah, read it to the audience. I'll, I'll be I'll be right back. He says. Historically, the Pentagon is playing the exact same shell game as it has since 1948. The very fact that the Navy and the Air Force continue to only look at the mundane and use the very same excuses as Project Blue Book, that if only we had more data, they could explain all the reports. Of the 366 case reports, why were there more than half that were described as unremarkable characteristics. Why would such reports even be included? Another 163 were balloons. Pilots are still misidentifying balloons? Question? Unbelievable. It's interesting that they are now considering the health implications after a sighting. And I cannot emphasize enough until a sufficient number of whistleblowers step forward and are taken seriously, the Pentagon, as it has for the past 75 years, will have the final say. Don Schmidt. (laughs) So I agree with a lot of that, which is I was hoping Don's audio cleared up because this, this is kind of what Don and I talk behind the scenes all the time when we do chat. It's kind of like, take me back to 1947 and Roswell or take me back to, um, you know, Hynek coming out of the Condon report and then going on to form Kufos after he was so pissed off <laughs> about the Condon report. You know, Don was in with, Dr. Hynek in those days. Like that's where Don started his his ufology career was working with Dr. Hynek. And I just, I love that fact. And, you know, to me, there's no better touchstone than taking it back, you know, to the eighties and to the nineties and, you know, two thousands and to now, like there is a lot of repeat scenarios going on now. And Graham, you brought up, uh, Project Blue Book, and I wanted to jump in and just say that it's so frustrating that they're talking, you know, right now they're talking about, oh, we need to gather this data, we need better reporting, we need all this. Well, what did they do with Blue Book? I mean, they had two guys 
maybe four, I forget how many were, was the official team, you know, but they were sending Heineck all over the country to investigate civilian reports as well as military reports. So that's, what's frustrating to me is, you know, 40. Well, they did, they didn't just have two, did they? They had the whole of the four, six or second um, AISS. Uh, all their staff collecting right. intelligence reports as well and feeding them through to Blue Book. Uh, but the, the actual status report 14, they had a team of panel, they had a panel of evaluators who looked at all the cases and they mm -hmm. threw a lot out um, because they were, you know, they, they thought they were possible balloons or suspected balloons. Um, so the terminology was great. And it was on this, the most kind of spurious of, of handles to label these as, as as you know, balloons. Gorman's report from first October '48 of uh, the, the, he was a flying a Mustang and he was chasing this light around the skies above Fargo in North Dakota, and they said, "Oh, it's a balloon," but the balloons were painted black. They couldn't; you wouldn't have seen one at that time of night. Um, <laughs> but oh yes, it's, it's a balloon. So, so if you're going to have that kind of label attached to cases, no wonder they can come out with the figures to say, "Oh well, all these are known, and you've only got a small number of unknowns." Um, but this, even this time round, as, as people said before, they've basically glossed over the, the previous 143 unknown cases or unidentified cases. So you know, where, what's happening to those? Are they just being shelved because they're overworked? Are they getting so many cases now that they can't devote enough time to actually try and categorize them? So, you know, what's happening to the, to the previous ones? Is the next report going to just be a progress report saying, oh, yes, we've got another you know, how many X number of hundred cases of which so many are identified as balloons, et cetera, clutter, all this kind of thing. Right. And then we've got a rump which aren't, but then are we gonna are they gonna forget about this one as well and this hundred and seventy one and just forget you know, gloss over that again. It, uh, Graham, uh, quite, uh, a request for you on the on the screen there. Not bloody likely. <laughs> 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 Perfect. I'll get you guys to hold on. Thank you to our super chatters, Pam, Neuro, D. Cohen, Deb times two, Enki, Lavira, Monica, uh, Area 51 times two, Catfish times two, and Vaughn and Walker. Thank you so much for the love. Don't forget, guys, uh, read the... Uh, the byline below, the ticker there. We want to see you all in Vegas May 19th through 21st for our fan party. Here we go. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, including brand new at Channel X94 in Vernal, Utah, and, of course, on our digital side on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live at KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Dadans. Dadans is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you 
Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Let's continue on with our panel tonight. Dan Warren from Fifth Pillar of Emphasis. He's got over 300,000 subscribers on TikTok. Journalist, podcaster, researcher Christina Gomez, researcher and author Graham Rendell, researcher, former government agent Walter Bosley, Tim Senor from our UFO report, and Nicole Sackich, researcher and author. We had to say goodbye to Don Schmidt just due to technical issues, so we do apologize that Don uh, was having some difficulty tonight. I know he really, really wanted to be here for this one. Graham, I'm going to start with you on this one because Mr. McCormick made a very interesting statement that right at the end, he kind of slipped in the word retrievals. And you know what? This is an important statement because we're all wondering if the government of the United States actually has crash retrievals of unidentified flying objects. And you're the one who brought it to my attention, and I wanted to start with you on this. That's a $64,000 question, isn't it? You know, do they have craft? Do they have pieces of craft? Um, and that's the one that you know, has kind of brought this this whole thing to the public narrative through Roswell and, and the, the implications. But you, I have difficulty trying to actually fit the, the Roswell uh, of the story into everything else that's happened through um, documentation from Project Sign, Project Grudge, Project Blue Book. Um, so I'm, I'm a bit of a loss to explain how it all sort of like fits together. Uh, however, yeah, if they do have stuff, then we need to know, but are we going to know? Because that's going to be something that is going to be heavily classified and you're never going to get it in a public, you know, in a public um, kind of release like this. Um, that's going to be something that's going to be, you know, it's kind of have to be forced out of them somehow by something landing on the White House lawn or, or something like that. Uh, you know, it's going to have to tip that hand. So unless anything comes along to change that, we're never going to get those details. They're going to be so heavily compartmentalized that we'll they'll never see the light of day. Tim, let's get your thoughts. I mean, having McCormick sit there and state that there could be retrievals out there somewhere, whether it's Area 51, whether it's Dulcie or Wright-Patterson or wherever uh, they could be hiding this, I mean, is this going to become part of a future conversation in your eyes? Well, absolutely. And I think it has to. Um, At this point, there are so many of these big questions just lingering out there. At some point, they're going to be half, they have to answer for them. And so I do like a lot of the words that we are seeing that's coming through in this report and kind of support of looking for these things. And I know we're even looking into having a church committee look into some history and dig out some of the problems that we may have had in the past covering things up. And so do I think that we're going to get more on it? Yes, because their feet are being held to the fire. And really, we know from history, that's the only way that we're going to get the honest truth on anything from this. All right. Well, one of the things that that I'm wondering about is, did we gain anything that we didn't know in this report, Dan? You know, I mean, the retrieval thing to me, there's always been rumor. This gives it a little bit more credence for me. You know, uh, the, the act or the fact that they mentioned that reports are starting to go up. 
They're not trending down. They're not staying stagnant. Reports are going up. I mean, I look at those as positives in moving the confirmation ball forward because I still don't believe we're in a disclosure movement. I do believe we are in confirmation. And But are we, are we moving the ball forward here? Are we getting into those more risque topics? With this report, I don't think so. I'm not going to call this report a nothing burger. I would refer to it as a copy and paste burger because it seems like 75% of the contents of this report were copied directly out of the NDAA or copied out of previously published documents. I feel like most of UFO Twitter would have been able to write the majority of this document word for word just by copying and pasting sections of other documents. So there's not a lot of new in here, in my opinion. And uh, one of the things that I found funny is the stress that they put on teaching us mathematics, the simple addition and going over the numbers of the reports multiple times and explaining them. It was like they were trying to get to a certain number of words per page. So they were drawing it out as long as they could. Um, it just was comical almost that they kept, and they revisited it multiple times, which, which I found funny. Um, but something else that I think is, that they're hiding from this in this report is they do talk about a lack of any evidence of health related effects associated with the UAP phenomena. Well, I think that's accurate as far as 2004 on once we go back in time, because the NDAA of 2023 is going to make us go back to 1945, they're going to have to talk about John Burroughs and his lawsuit against the government where he got compensated for injuries that he received as being from being exposed to the Rendlesham uh, UFO back in 1979 or 1980 on Christmas day. So there's some things that are in this report that are not going to be able to be said once they go back and do a thorough review of the history of this phenomena within their own records, or else we're going to be able to turn around and say, no, you are lying to us. Here's where you said this was a health-related effect from a UAP on one of your service members. So now you're going to have to bring that discussion back up and share more information with us, hopefully. I think they'll, they'll, they'll be really di- it'll be difficult for people to prove a link, however. I mean, they'll be, obviously, it'll be circumstantial. If you go back to the Cash Landrum incident from, was it 1980, um, right. the U.S. Air Force basically denied any involvement in that because they said that whatever that craft was wasn't theirs. That, that's the upshot of it anyway. Um, you know, they denied knowledge of it. So trying to prove a link is difficult. Yes, there'll be information that comes out possibly about, you know, potential, kind of, as far as we're concerned, you know, links. But trying to prove it is a different thing entirely. Um, so, you know, it'll be one of those unanswered questions, won't it? And they can probably quite easily say, look, there's no proven link, but potential links, that's something different. Um, there was so, a yeah. proven enough link to award him compensation for his injuries. So it was presented in a court of law. So there's something there. I want to get. That was a battle. Yeah, that was 1980, and Cash Landrum was 1980 as well. And if I'm remembering Cash Landrum correctly, they the ladies got treatment for X amount of time, and then they were denied treatment shortly following. So you know, based on the they couldn't prove that it was government related, and you know that sort of thing. So there's always that back and forth. I think one of the things that's questioned with Rendlesham as well is that with so many people involved, why didn't other people have adverse health effects 
you know, Halt didn't report any, Penniston hasn't reported any, any of the others that were along, you know, with going into the forest, they didn't report anything. So I could, I could be wrong, but I thought he actually touched it. I could be off, but yeah, I thought yeah, that was my understanding. He said Burroughs was the closest it. to it, right? I think the discrepancy is uh, uh, one thing that Grant and I talked to John Burroughs about, and I've spoken with Jim Penniston several times. Burroughs didn't touch the craft, but he was around it more than Jim. He had two sightings. He saw it and went back. They got their team and they went back out. And then another source of uh, controversy is uh, Burroughs had a weapon on him and possibly drew his weapon and aimed it at the craft. So was that like intent, you know, taken as a threat from Burroughs and not Penniston? Because Penniston whipped out a notebook and started taking notes, walking around the craft, you know, assessing the situation. Doesn't really seem, you know, malicious, but I don't know. It's up the, for debate. The least I, unintimidating gesture that, gesture that you can make is whipping out a notebook and taking <laughs> notes. Ooh, I will like to point out, I did see on Twitter, people were bringing up Gary Nolan's um, set of data that he had, and they were questioning, you know, if he's looking at this source of data and has drawn these conclusions um, that there are health risks involved or health repercussions, um, why doesn't Arrow or... ODNI, do they not have the same data as Gary Nolan? Is that, you know, is why, why is there a discrepancy there? So, or is well, that? I think he said he was visited by the CIA. Am I correct in thinking that he was approached by someone from the CIA to look at those things? So that could be another stove piping right. issue associated with the intelligence community versus the Department of Defense. Just a guess. I want to get Christina Gomez in here because we only have her until the bottom of the hour here before she has to say goodnight to us. Christina, overall, you know, we look to the government for answers. We look to the government to kind of lead the way. And, and in this report, as, as Dan said, it, it seems really cut and paste that all of us in ufology could have chipped in a word or two and, and written this together. You know, at some point, as you mentioned earlier, you know, that more and more senators and congresspeople are getting involved with this. At some point, do we see a break in the conversation where we are going to see more public uh, reports come out because I think that's what the people want. They want to know who these whistleblowers are. They want to know what are these reports that are not or, or considered unknown. What's happened in those situations? Do you think we're going to get some transparency? So I look at this in a way for me to, to be able to talk to people my age, whether in the university or old school friends or even on my YouTube channel armed with with some kind of validation via these reports, looking for the points in the first and the second report to inspire curiosity in the minds of others and then get them to ask questions. Look, the more we can get the conversation going with new minds, the better. So with the, the public they don't know anything if you really think about it. So all the gems that we have are very bright and shiny to them, especially these conversations that we have where we do a nice thorough rundown of these papers that are filled with jargon that 
people just don't understand unless you're a part of the community such as ourselves. So the more people that we get involved, the more young minds that we inspire, that is my purpose to having these conversations. And I think that overall, while once again, this report was disappointing to many, at least we got something that we were promised and it's being taken seriously. And I agree with you on that. But at some point, we all have to stand up and say to our Congress people, it's different for me because I'm in Canada or, or Graham in the UK, but we're hoping that People start writing letters to their Congress people or their senators and say, look, as a taxpayer of this great country that we call the United States, I want to know why is this being hidden from me? Why is everything behind a closed door? Whether it's my fellow U.S. citizens who are considered now whistleblowers of this subject or whether it's reports that are discovered by our military that is taxpayer funded. I mean, at some point, that pressure has to start. Maybe it starts in the mainstream media. Maybe it doesn't. Walter, you were shaking your head there up and down with a big yes there. Well, when you're talking about the taxpayers, you're right. The taxpayers, you know, need to, the more engagement here in the U.S. that our government, our Congress sees in the population, the more this is going to you know, raise up on their radar. And that's, I think it's very important. It has got to become one of the, we've got to aim for this, the whole UFO disclosure thing to become in among the top five of the issues in every election, economy, defense, blah, 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 so forth. UFO truth, you know, what's going on out there. Really, if we can elevate it to that here in the United States, then I think we'll really, uh, begin to see some um, uh, results like we we want to. But until then, they're just going to... Uh, what I like about what Christina said is she's right about the younger generation because as us graybeards age out, if we're not bringing up the younger generations, they'll, they're, it's a time game. They'll just let us age out and then it'll pass. And if no one knew is bringing the torch, they say, oh, gee, okay, we dodged that bullet. We don't have to worry about this anymore. But if generation after generation up and down the age spectrum, they know there's going to be, you know, these generations just marching at them for it, then, um, you know, we we will get somebody, um, whoever they, you know, whether it's the Air Force or, or whoever, somebody is going to have to answer to it if it becomes that much of a hot button politically. Um, and and we are aware that this conversation interests the general public. If we look at presidential mm-hmm. candidates over the decades, a lot of them stated, if I'm president, I will disclose the UFO information that has been hidden from our government. We have seen it every four years by some other candidate. And it goes to show that there is some importance in these conversations. Now, a bill was just released, signed by President Biden, out of the $800 billion budget. A sliver of that, a sliver of our tax dollars, is going to the research of UAP and to protect whistleblowers during a UAP congressional hearing, which is fantastic news. Now, how much money is going to that? Probably a teeny weeny itsy bitsy amount. But the fact that 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 
that was even written in the bill is incredibly significant. So we are making those strides. People are becoming more interested. People are pushing for that transparency. But for us in the community, it's not as fast as we want it. But if we look once again, 10, 20 years ago, we've come a really long way. What about um, you're, you're talking about getting politicians engaged, but also to do that from the, the majority of the general public, you'll need the media to play a part as well. I'm just wondering what kind of reaction they have in the States about the report, if any. Um, you know, I've, I've, the only headlines I've really seen overnight are that it's either around half or about half of sightings can be explained. I noticed in The Guardian in, in the UK uh, this morning, there was, there was a, a story about the, talking about the focus maybe being on um, foreign adversary spying capabilities, um, which I'm not quite sure that's the, 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 the top line of, of the actual document. So you know, how are they reporting in the States on the, on the, on the, on the big news channels? Well, mainstream media will barely touch it. But now things have changed. We are the media. Social media has become more significant than your mainstream outlets. And I mean, especially for my age group, everything is online. And they're not looking for their information at your mainstream outlets. They're looking at it, unfortunately, sometimes from their peers or from these more influential characters. Now, that, of course, can be a little dangerous with disinformation. But the same goes for any mainstream stream outlet as well. So when we educate our peers, our groups in our generation, it can help them flush through all of that information. But as for the mainstream media, they've they've barely touched it. And I don't expect them to do a deep dive onto it because it's not a really an interesting report. It's not going to get so many hits. And that's what they're aiming for. They're aiming for the views to make them income, not the actual information that's provided. So I think the greatest, the best thing to ever happen to the UFO topic is drones. It's annoying for us, but man, if we didn't have drones, we wouldn't have the emphasis put on this topic like we do now from Congress. That's one thing that Chris Mellon pointed out is in the process of trying to learn more about UAPs, we've improved our abilities as a, as a nation, as a defense department to identify foreign adversarial drones in our airspaces. Mm -hmm. That is what I hope the media picks up on, that they say, hey, this UFO report that's floating around, you need to know that this is also bringing to light a a weakness that we have in our system that is going to be rectified because of this. And we need to continue to push on it for that reason, if if not for that reason alone, if nothing else. There was a member of the United States Air Forces, we got about three minutes, who was interviewed earlier today, and I, don't, I, I apologize, I forget his name, and he stood at the podium and was asked about the threat narrative, and he continued on the threat aspect of everything, even though he was admitting that there has not been a single incursion where an aircraft of the military or in any aircraft in American airspace has been threatened by any of these of these cla- uh, craft rider it was okay by yeah. these UFOs and he, I found that very interesting that you know the threat narrative continues to be live and well that they are are sitting there Christina talking about this but they can't give a single example of where an F18 or an F15 or a C5 Galaxy or anything has been uh you know come close to collisions or or been run out of their airspace by these UFOs 
if there wasn't the threat narrative, there would be no fire under the congressmen and the military's butts, okay? Because when we're looking at it from this perspective, then they can go ahead and push through through the research stating that they are attempting to protect our nation. Now, if they were to state that, no, everything is fine, everything is great, they're not here to hurt us, which may be the case, then... Then, then what's the point of doing the research? Now, someone somewhere has full reports concerning at least the Tic Tac craft. And I mean, you had the nation's most powerful Navy fleet encountering these things. And we've been told on a daily basis on the East and West Coast. So these things have been seen consistently. So you think that they were just ignored, right? Well, no, jets were scrambled, a few of which that we've heard about. But I just wonder how many times jets were scrambled and are they still being scrambled today? I mean, maybe these Tic Tacs only operate over the water or under the water because I haven't seen any reports of 40-foot Tic Tac objects over land. So I'm wondering what investigations are going on into these things. Me too. Walter? Well, you know my position. I I think the Tic Tac... From all along, I thought it was, you know, advanced technology being developed in, in uh, uh, you know, fighter squadron pilots, no matter how, how high level their clearance is or whatever their rank is, they're not going to be briefed in on everything being tested, particularly in that area where that happened out here in California is well known to be a testing area. Um, so, we, we, you know, there's going to be a lot of this that is going to be advanced technology that's being tested but not all of it is going to be that as far as the threat narrative um i i think that uh, it's only logical that we are someday going to encounter a an intelligent threat from space this this idea this notion that because something werner von braun allegedly said um on his deathbed or whatever um that we're never going to encounter a dangerous civilization out in space i just don't find that to be realistic. And on, um, on but that as note, I'm going to cut you yeah. off right there because we sure. have to uh, get going at our break here at the bottom of the hour. Christina Gomez, uh-huh. we are going to say goodnight to you. Thank you so much for joining us, Christina. The rest of the panel, Tim Senor, Graham Rendell, Dan Warren, Nicole Sackage, and Walter Bosley will continue right after this. Stay tuned. Spaced Out Radio special report on the UFO report continues right after this. Stay tuned. Christina, thank you you for helping us make this a great show. Thank you so much. You have an awesome panel, and I'm so grateful to have been a part of it. But I'll let you guys go. Thank you so much. Take care, my friend. Thank you. Hey, Christine, can I say one thing to you real quick? Yes. I'm astonished by the amount of research you're able to do in a week. It blows me away that you're able to do so many deep dives and make videos about them and then edit the videos and do all that. I'm, I'm super impressed by your diligence. Thank you. I wear a lot of concealer because I just don't sleep. So thank you so much for that. I, I know the feeling. Mine's called a beard, though. <laughs> See, I've I've attempted to grow one, but it's not really working out for me. So I well, have to like well, well, hold, on. hold on. I have a solution, Christina. I got five different beards here in the studio. I, I've had fans send me their beards just in case someone needs a beard. Okay, so you're more than welcome to have uh, one. I could ship one to you right now. 
<laughs> that is very kind, but I'll have to deny and uh, okay. refuse just and reject case. that that offer. Just but thank case. you so much. Just in case, that's yep. the kind of guy. Make we hers, are. make hers top ramen, oh. and then maybe she'll wear it. Well, that, I mean, <laughs> don't pull my arm too hard. I have to say yes to that one. But thank you guys so much. I'll catch you later. Good night, Christina. Bye. And uh, we'll have Graham Rendell till the top of the hour, and then he'll have to disappear. And Dave, um, excuse me. I I got word during the break that uh, a cousin of mine and like half her family got killed in one of the tornadoes in Alabama. Oh, no. So I'm going to have to bug out because I got to talk to some family members. Yeah, you yeah, get they, going then, dude. They lived in a mobile home park, and it it's like a big shocker. So thanks for having me on. Great to see all you guys. And I Good thoughts and to prayers to your again. family, too, Thank brother. you. Thank you. I Yeah, it's – but you guys have a good night, and I look okay. forward to doing this again. Walter, we'll talk soon. And, sure. And uh, prayers for your family, my friend. All right, we'll say goodnight to Walter Bosley. And, uh, well, that's terrible. That's a horrible Tornadoes song. are more threatening than UAP. Yeah. So we had a tornado come through our town about three years ago, and 19 people passed because of it. And my, I guess she was seven or eight at the time, daughter, seven or eight-year-old daughter at the time, was staring at me dead in the eye while we were in our hallway of our ranch style home saying, I don't want to die. So after that event, I ended up digging a hole in my crawl space, pouring concrete, rebar, blocking it up. And now I have a a storm shelter in my crawl space that we can all run down to. It is such a, a, a good feeling to have that available to me because my kids are so they're, they're traumatized from tornadoes now. Oh man, I couldn't. Have, I've been in one tornado in my life, and that was in 1987 uh, in Edmonton, Alberta. I was on a golf course. I was 13 years old on a golf course with my dad and my cousin. We literally watched the storm roll in uh, while we were on the golf course. Scared the daylights out of me. I, I remember picking up hailstones the size of softballs, and I mean, you get hit with one of those, you're dead. You're dead. Uh-huh. Right. I mean, I couldn't imagine living in t- tornado land. I mean, it's bad enough here I, with forest fires, but I've learned to handle that. You know, I've learned to handle that of, with escape routes and bug out rooms and everything. But tornadoes. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, Here in Illinois, we have the storm shelters, too. And we have, you know, our backup supplies in there. But Dan, another thing you might want to do is, you know, before you go in your shelter, you've got to tell people that's where you're at. So oh yeah, I show I show it off to everybody. On, when if your you, whole house falls in on you, they know where to dig you out at. <laughs> you know, it's that I'm, kind of thing. I constantly embarrass my wife because if you come over to my house, I'm showing you my storm shelter. They're like, let's crawl under the house, guys! Come on. Hmm. And yeah, they're terrifying. And that's what, you know, you move away from areas or go to areas where they don't necessarily have tornadoes frequently. And they're so fascinated by them. Like when I moved up to Chicago, people would try to run outside to try to watch one. Like, and it's just like, no, run away, go seek shelter. You don't want to sky watch this. <laughs> too scary uh i'm wondering if melinda leslie are you still in the chat room 
If you are, let me know. I'll send you a link if you want to hook up with us uh, here. So let me know, Melinda, if you're still in the chat room. Uh, thank you to all of our super chatters tonight. We uh, from Pam, Nuro, D. Cohen, Deb, Enki, Lavira, Monica, Area 51, Catfish, Vaughn, Walker, Jeremy, and uh, very much appreciate the love and support. Let's get to see all of you in Vegas, May 19th to 21st. And Scowling Greg O'Brien is going to be there. Uh, just uh, read below on the ticker. We got all the information right there. Second half or second half of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Really do appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at spaced out radio, Instagram at spaced out radio show, and on TikTok at spaced out radio. Here we go. We have our panel. Tim Senor, Graham Rendell, Dan Warren, and Nicole Sackage looking up what happened in the UFO report that has finally been dropped. You know, one of the things that came out a few months ago, and Tim Senor and I were talking about it, Nicole and I have talked privately about it as well, is all of a sudden we started hearing these stories, Dan, about Chinese drones. I mean, it took forever to get the drone word out of it in the Tic Tac era. All right, but now all of a sudden Chinese drones were back with a vengeance. And we learn in the report that there have been a number of drone sightings, but not everyone. I mean, at some point, are we looking at these as excuses for what the unidentified flying objects may be? So I also think in the report they they weren't able to to definitely say that any of the drones that they reported were of Chinese origin. But I do think that we're going to get drones reported. That's just uh, inevitable. We're going to get balloons and balloon-like entities or whatever. Um, but back on the China thing, it's interesting that you say that because the presentation that Kirkpatrick put on yesterday um, had a hyperlink. It, there's only one hyperlink in the, in the entire presentation. And it took you to an article that was uh, published, I think, in 1994, revised in 2010 or something along those lines. And it was basically 50 Chinese scientists are, are requesting support for investigating the UFO phenomenon. And this was under the subtitle of foreign um, involvement in investigating UFOs worldwide. So that to me really stood out as something of significance that other countries are, are requesting support to investigate this and the United States is aware of it. They also say in that statement that they want to know if other foreign countries are observing them and how they are responding to them. So it's interesting to me that they're, they're opening the aperture to stop just looking at what their sensors could pick up. And they're starting to try to see what other countries are doing, what, what they're seeing and how they're responding to it, which makes a lot of sense because that's what you want to know what other people know. That's the whole game we're playing here. 
Oh, very much. That is a part of the big game, Nicole. Let's bring you in here on this because you you know it it is tough trying to figure out you know when the story and and the motif seems to change frequently as quickly as the the name of the program. I mean, it changes uh uh you know more frequently than some people change their underwear. I mean, you never know what you're going to get. But I mean, Chinese drones again and now we see the report. I've questioned like like I mentioned before, I I'm in contact with our, my local Air Force base and we always get the unauthorized civilian drones and i've i've asked if they're made in china like are these purchased in china shipped here and then they're set up over the midwest by unauthorized civilians or is this truly do they think it is a threat launched from china sent here you know that doesn't make sense to me and i think this is where maybe we fall short with the public a little bit is that, and they have the Nimitz scenario in their mind and these Navy incursions, and they think it's all over the oceans and out at sea and just with our, uh, like our carriers and things like that. But we have so many cases reported over our land. It's not just out to sea while our ships are on drills or, it's not just at nuclear facilities. And that's where I think the wake-up call will be. Like we mentioned with Project Blue Book investigating civilian cases, if we push this ball forward enough and they're forced to look at civilian incursions over our land mass, you know, the bulk of our country. Like I say, Illinois is huge. And we've had Tic Tac reports. We've had Air Force pilots reporting and that doesn't get talked about in the news. And I really think that'll start a wildfire at some point in this when people truly realize that this is happening over middle America. And that's it's not just know. it's not just America, though, is it, Nicole? Because these, right. these sightings are, be, are happening worldwide. They're happening in South America. They're happening in Africa. They're happening in Europe. They're even happening over Russia. So does that mean the Chinese drones are, are operating over those areas as well? well because that's clearly right. that's crazy. In China, are they going, oh, it's got to be U.S. drones. It's U.S. Yeah, exactly. drones over our but airspace. The, you know, the, like dro the drone explanation only works for maybe the last few decades where drones have become sufficiently um, sort of sophisticated that they can do certain maneuvers. I mean, if you go back further in history to the time of Blue Book and even beforehand, drones were effectively full-size aircraft. You know, that's what they were. They were remotely controlled um, aircraft that you could, that would, would normally be manned, um, but they had, you know, they were remote control from the ground. Or they were the things like uh, like the V-1 flying bomb. They were remote controlled missiles uh, and, and the Russians developed them in the 1950s. So they're not, they weren't sophisticated and they couldn't have accounted for the sightings back then. It's just recently that the capabilities have, have increased that they, they can approach, but maybe not much, some of the reporting that goes on. I agree with that. And um, I just lost my train of thought with um, what else I was going to add to that. 
Well, so, yeah, let me ch- let me chip in here for a second because I'd like to get Tim Senor here in on on the report. Tim, you, you know one of the things that we we've talked about is where is the transparency? When can we start seeing you know some names? I want to know who these whistleblowers are. We hear it's Kevin Day. We hear it may be Gary Voorhees. We hear it may be uh, uh, the nuclear guy. Uh, Robert Salas. Robert Salas. Okay, we hear the names of people who are there from the past, but who really is going? We don't know of the talks. We don't know when they've happened. We don't know when people have been summoned. We don't know if these people have been asked to sign another NDA regarding their whistleblowing. I mean, it just seems to be full of confusion on what is going on. It's one of the great mysteries that has been added to this puzzle. Yeah. Well, I think that it's going to become very apparent who is doing the whistleblowing by the information that is being released, because we know who our nuclear guy is, if there's any information based on that, that's being released or talked about. And so, I mean, the experts like yourselves are going to be the ones that are going to be able to source that when it is finally released. But my question is kind of a little bit along those same same lines, because I don't really have too much insight as to as to who is going to be a whistleblower necessarily. Um, But there is quite a lot of definition in this report that we are getting, a lot of definitions even. And so the specifics that we are seeing here, does this, and this is the unclassified version, obviously, does this um, panel, in your opinion, do you think that this... um, lends any details as to what the classified report might look like do you have any insight to what that could possibly look like what, anyone what, that anyone please? on the panel i mean I, if if they're getting more detail about like like i said earlier the quarterly reports to policymakers contain greater detail of uap re- events i would assume that's also part of the court the annual report that's classified as they'll get more information about it. Do I think there's video or pictures associated with it? I wouldn't think so. I want to think they would go that far. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but maybe that's what they get that we don't get is, okay, here's the, we've solved X. We've solved half of these things. Let's get you some information about what we've found as far as patterns and, uh, and, and things that we've learned about these things that we don't identify. And, did they define uh, one of the things that they talked about is the some of them have demonstrated unusual flight characteristics or performance capabilities. If I'm a member of Congress, I'm going to the next question I'm going to ask after hearing that is, well, what were they like? What capabilities, what flight performances? Tell me what those are. So that's what I would hope that they're seeing in these um, classified documents and that would that would be the fire underneath them to keep them going in my opinion yeah they'll they'll probably have summaries of those particular things so there'll be a summary of events and also if there are strange capabilities and maneuvers they'll probably be um, they'll have some wording regarding that but there won't be in any great detail 
if you go back to the Blue Book report from May 1955, they had 12 examples in there. But if you look at, if you compare what they said in the Blue Book report against the actual um, investigations, it was a very, very short summary for each, and they weren't entirely accurate in terms of what they were reporting, even in that report, uh, compared with what they said elsewhere. So you just have to wonder what information they're actually giving regarding these events as well, and what are they leaving out? And that's a big thing for me. What are they leaving out? You know, I, I can look at this as somebody who is familiar with this field and see a lot of red flags. You know, the fact that they were quickly to explain balloons and drones, but nothing of what was anomalous. Give us something. Tell us it was a cigar shape. Tell us it was a Tic Tac. We already know what a Tic Tac is. Why not give us a little bit more juice? And I don't understand this common fear they have with letting the public know about this. You know, unless these drones or some of this is actually our technology that could be being tested at secret bases like Area 51. That's the only thing that kind of crosses my mind with this is, is that technology ours? Nicole. That's what I was going to bring up um, when you said, is this ours? You know, and if we're going back you know, 17 years with this, and that's the, the bulk of what they've had reported to them, and I think they added some prior to the 17 years with this latest cache of reports. But when you start reading about special access programs and who can start special access programs and how their classification is determined, whether it's just classified or top secret or, you know, et cetera. When you get into the details of it, and this is where the, the two-stepping comes into play or the song and dance, there's a limited amount of time that a, a special access program can remain classified unless it changes departments or names or heads of departments. There's all these different circumstances where they can reclassify this and restart the timeline of its classification. It's also very hard still for other agencies or people outside a special access program to get access. There's a whole process like we talk about the Wilson Davis notes and what Admiral Wilson was trying to gain access to and he was just shut out if he just went up to the head of a sap and was like tell me all about it he would get the book thrown at him like he did unless he went through the proper channels to gain access to that and got admitted to it that's the only way he could find out about it. It's their job to limit that information and limit who has access to it. So the song and dance that we're seeing over and over again, and like Don's statement had me read, or he had me read, this is kind of the same scenario since 1947. You know, they'll, they'll bring it out. They'll call it one thing. It'll change from... Graham, you mentioned sign, grudge, blue book. You know, that's three opportunities right there that they had to 
reclassify and extend the timeline on a special access program. And that's, you know, 70 years ago. So just with the change of um, even Space Force forming, you know, when access programs went from the Navy or the Air Force and combined to Space Force, that right there could have redetermined classification and extended a timeline. So when we're talking about whistleblowers that have maybe been a part of legacy programs here, they're not obligated to come forward publicly. If they want to, they can come forward behind closed doors and tell members of Congress or Arrow or the ODNI. So they can talk about it in a limited space and we're still not going to get any goods, especially if this is a legacy ongoing program. And as far as new cases are concerned, if it gets reported, if it's deemed something that we can exploit or utilize, that's going to get thrown into a special access program as well. Like they still haven't given us a guarantee that we will get answers, you know, or we will get an explanation. The only guarantee that we've had so far is that they're going to look into it and keep looking into it. So they could do that for decades. And the other thing I want to point out is Ross Coulter, I think, said it best on uh, your interview with him, Dave. All this legislation with the NDAA, they could wait us out. This could get blown away like leaves in the wind if they decide that the funding isn't necessary or there's nothing more to look at or there's no direction they can take this. Or if something bigger arises and they want to pull the funding and give it to somebody else, they can do that. We are kind of working with a limited window here of how much we can push and how much we can squeeze. Because I really do think the DOD is giving us the waiting game. You know, they're giving us the smallest amount of crap that they can (laughs) to satisfy the demands that have been made on them. And it's just half-assed. And I think, you know, the excuse with the report being late was the election cycle. What What's the excuse going to be with the next report? Are we going to get it on time? Is it going to be, you know, from today's report to the next report? Or are we going back to October 31st? And then, you know, is it every 180 days that they have to give us a report? Like, I forget the timeline. But is that deadline going to keep getting pushed back or is it going to get, you know, on time to us? And is it really going to advance or are we going to keep getting this kind of watered down, diluted, should have double spaced (laughs) to fill up more pages? So it's it's frustrating for sure. And I don't know, I kind of lose all hope when I take it back to 1947 and go, oh, we're, we're at it again. It's like a 20 to 25 year cycle of they'll get us riled up. We'll get attention on this and then it can still all go away. So, so I, I do think that they are playing the waiting game on us and they are going to try to drag this out and, and make us lose interest in it. And I think that is one of the main reasons why 
thanks to John Greenwald, we found out they are not going to be releasing any other videos of UAPs to the public anytime soon because they know that's what the public wants. As soon as the public sees the smoking gun video, it's not going to go away like that. That's their once that that's the dam breaking right there is that smoking gun 23 minute long video that's going to come out one day. And then everyone in the world is going to turn around, look at the United States government and say, okay, tell us the truth. Now you've been lying for this long. Now it's time to come clean. Let's move forward and, and get this figured out together as a civilization. So I think that's one of the things that we're seeing is the pushback. George Knapp talked about it in his recent interview on theories of everything with Kurt Jamungle. He's not as pes- he's he's more pessimistic than Jeremy Corbell is. Uh, he thinks that there's going to be pushback. He thinks that if there's any way to keep this secret, they're going to find a way to do it. And they have the minds, they have the resources, they have the ability, they have the mechanisms to do so. And we're just a bunch of guys and girls on the internet plugging away. And that is our most useful tool is just overwhelming them with sheer numbers of people interested in this topic that are willing to step forward and say, I'm not an avatar on Twitter. This is my actual face. I'm a human being. I'm interested in this subject and I want you to know that. And I want you to share your information with humanity because it's for all of us. We got three minutes to go here. I want to, I want to turn the corner on this a little bit. Let me play devil's advocate. We know that UFO Twitter and other places, shows like this, even your own TikTok, Dan, are being infiltrated and watched by alphabet agencies. I've been told personally, and I think it's the coolest thing. Okay. Yeah, me too. (laughs) All right. But what we are seeing on UFO Twitter, the which I think, in my opinion, recently outside of days like today, has really turned into a a cesspool of of anger and and spite and smite you know i look at i look at these government agencies probably looking at that and saying we can't give these people anything we can't give them any sort of juice here i mean look at the way they're attacking each other and ripping each other apart and doxing each other these people are pit bulls any community on you on Twitter does the same thing. Like, go look at pro wrestling Twitter. Go look at <laughs> politics Twitter. I mean, it's not. It's just human nature. We all fight. We all fuss with each other. Uh, you get the most angry at those that you love the most. So we all we're all a family. Um, we we do bicker and fight, but it's just normal human nature. It's unfortunate when it takes such an ugly turn, and I wish that people would live single modality lifestyles to where they treat people the same in person as they do online. It would solve a bunch of this squabbling and fighting and name calling and things that are going on. But it's just the way that humanity react or responds to each other. And there's it's so much more it's so much easier to get hung up on the negative aspects and negative comments that. That was the brutal thing about me starting my ch- my channel was I got so many negative comments in the beginning. Well, I, I would get a few negative comments that I would focus on and I would get some more positive comments, but I'd get a few negatives that would just stick in my crawl for forever. Um, so it's just harder to get rid of that negativity than I think most people are aware of. And so we just have to learn how to live with it. 
Don't you think, though, that this report that they handed the public is basically picking a fight with the UFO community by starting out with 510 cases from credible witnesses? I mean, these are our trained observers. And they whittle it down to 177, maybe. And in there, they're very carefully wording things with 163 of these being characterized as balloon or balloon-like entities. Why include a word like balloon-like entities in this report in particular? I love it. I love it. It makes me think of that Batman balloon and the blimp with the sidecar underneath it. And then the orb. So, I mean... My mind went straight to Note, the movie Note that came out. That looks like a balloon type entity to me if I had to draw one. Sure. Is it one of those car lot balloon entities with the wavy arms? Like, there's, I, there's I, some I, I want a clearer definition on balloon entity. But, but they, to answer you a little bit yeah, like, please. about the community, I, this is the classic. Thing we've heard over and over and over again from our community is we can be our own worst enemy when it comes to public information. I mean, it does create that wildfire of interest and the back and forth, and it gets malicious. It does. We can continue that going into hour number three of Spaced Out Radio's special report on the UFO report. Graham Rendell, Dan Warren, Tim Senor. And Nicole Sackage are here breaking it all down. What a panel we've had tonight. Exciting news, exciting times. We'll be right back. I'm going to run and refill my uh, water, uh, my glass here. Uh, I also want to mention to the audience, I am going to take some questions from you guys in hour number three. So when I get back, uh, do me a favor, put your questions in capital letters, and I will try and get to them as soon as possible. So I'm just going to quickly step away, refill my water here, guys. <clears throat> they don't have to infiltrate us any anymore or run that disinformation campaign against a case or our community. We, we do it to ourselves, and yeah. we, we truly do. And I, I think if... I mean, you remember in the storm area 51 days <laughs> leading up to that? I mean, we like so many people were like, no, don't do that. <laughs> don't do it. We're all going to look like crazies. Don't do it. And I, I was kind of in that club before. I was like, what? We're all supposed to go out in the middle of the desert? Like, this is just a bunch of problems, you know? Like, from the onset of Storm Area 51, I was like, Storm Area 51 in Washington, D.C. Like, to me, this needs to be a true united movement like that. I'm not talking about nasty, you know, storming the Capitol building escalation of events. But... I do think along the lines of like the Million Man March, you know, we truly need to present our community as a united front. The we can disagree, but we still need to come together. Like, you know, let's save the petty infighting for the panels or the Twitter space. Like it can be go time. Graham, we'd fly you in. <laughs> you could come. <laughs> Thank you. That's great. <laughs> 
<laughs> or we could just coordinate a multi-continent protest, you know, yeah. that might Perfect. stir up some action. Uh, and yeah, hmm. I just, I wish we could find a way to not be our own worst enemy. Like, it's just sad sometimes. It is. And um, if you look at Facebook, you know, we talked about social media earlier, everybody has their own ideas seemingly about what's going on and they won't have any other kind of explanation. Um, there's all these fights and arguments and all the rest of it. And I just, I keep clear of it now. I, I don't really use Facebook that much because it just seems to be a, it's not quite a cesspit, but it's certainly, um, it, it's certainly a hotbed of, you know, sort of intrigue and infighting and just, oh, it's best. I'll just keep away from it, I'm afraid. <laughs> Yeah. I think over the last few years, my social media involvement in the UFO community has really just started to revolve around experiencer groups. Like if, mm. if a group's focus is disclosure, it's like that's where the, you know, the nails are coming out and cat fights happen. But I think social media from the experiencer point of view and just talking with so many people and people sharing what's happening with them um, and taking it out of that government context or that military context. Like that's where I find my happy spaces on social media. <laughs> it, it really is. I mean, <laughs> I think through UFO Twitter, I found quite a lot of people who um, really I've got a hell of a lot of respect for and I've got a, a lot of you know, sort of time for. So I'm quite lucky that I've I've met a lot of and actually met in person now a lot of people who I really do appreciate you know what they've done and what they say and what they're they're planning to do uh, and I, I have been lucky enough to meet them over the last sort of year 18, 18 months now um, so and that happens quite regularly in some instances so yeah it, it's it's a lot about networking as well and actually being able to now COVID's sort of like uh, in decline hopefully being able to actually go and see people because face-to-face -face conversations, you know, um, you know, having virtual conversations, they're great, but they're no con um, sort of substitute for being able to talk to somebody you know, across a table somewhere in a bar or a restaurant or, or, or a cafe and actually having a proper, proper conversation with them about what's happening. Absolutely. I think the more we can get together, I, you mm. know, I loved the lockdowns, honestly, because it was the rise of Zoom, you know, it's like, <laughs> we're all in rooms, we're bored out of our mind, like, for the record, and, for the yeah. record, I just want to make mention, due to tonight's show, I've worn my special Perry the Platypus uh, pajama bottoms. <laughs> I thought you were a pantler. No, At least you're wearing them. Per Perry the Platypus. And if you don't know who that is, greatest Disney cartoon ever, Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> Perry the Platypus. Guys, th th thank you guys for doing this, man. My pleasure, Dave. It's great for our listeners. Thanks for the invitation. I, I actually am taking the day off of work tomorrow. But it's because they're having a snow day, so they cancel school tomorrow. Oh so my I get goodness! To hang out with my kids, hold on. But I, I want you to think it's partially for you. Hold on a second here. How much snow do you have? We might not even get any snow. That's the best part about <laughs> no! it. it's less than an inch predicted. But they always cancel it because 
they are concerned for one person getting hurt. They up here. Oh, Dave. Now, my my son's school is two blocks away. Okay. Up here, they cancel the buses at minus 36 Celsius. They cancel school at minus 38 to 40. And we, we cancel on flurries. I would move. <laughs> Thank you to all our super chatters tonight. Hey, we want to see all of you in Las Vegas. Check the ticker below on the screen, and you can get information right there. Here we go. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. What do you got for us, Clam? Dadans. Dadans is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our panel for tonight in the final hour, Dan Warren from Fifth Pillar of Emphasis on TikTok. He's got over 300,000 subscribers to his YouTube chats. Author and researcher Graham Rendell from the UK, author and researcher Nicole Sackage, and from our UFO report, we have Tim Senor here tonight, breaking down a special report on Spaced Out Radio where we're going the distance on this one regarding the UFO report that has now dropped finally. It was supposed to come on Halloween night. It didn't. It's finally here in 2023. Panel, welcome back. And and we're going to get into some audience questions here momentarily. But for our Canadian listeners out there, I want you all to have a laugh tonight. Why? Because where Dan Warren lives, there is a chance that there might be snow, a slim, minute chance in the south that there might be snow, so they have canceled school for tomorrow. I, that sounds like jealousy. I don't know if you guys hear it in his voice, but I sure do. <laughs> He's uh, always like this. Oh, Danny, Danny, Danny. He, that's him bragging. This uh, is him bragging. I somehow. am just... Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean... It wasn't like this when I was a kid. When exactly. I was a kid, they sent you to school, but now they just like they canceled just at the, the thought of snow. You nailed it. You nailed it. Oh, my goodness. I am just... I, I, I I had to bring uh, some some uh, humor to this, you know, because heaven forbid that, that that snowflake can hurt. You know, it's funny though. I I will say this: where I grew up near Vancouver, okay, uh, they don't allow kids to bring toboggans to school because a child may get hurt if it snows. My son's school, two blocks away, has 
you know, in their in their uh, PE course, they will take out the, the the crazy carpets and actually go sliding down the hills that go into the soccer fields and the baseball fields at school. You know, if somebody breaks an arm, well, you know what? That's that's called winter. That's called winter around here. You get a little concussion because you get run over. That's called winter. You know, <laughs> and so. <laughs> careful of that oh you've got it so rough up there is a toboggan a sled is that what (laughs) i thought it was good one nicole really you don't have to i I need clarification here in the midwest we call them sleds i mean i know you guys have beanies and you call them something else up there like toots toots sledges in the uk oh my Oh my! Everything's backwards. Up my there. son has two. He's got like the classic red plastic one, and then this year I got him this inflatable one that has a seat and like a cup holder, and he oh. can like shoot down these hills. And, Luxury, like no stuff. <laughs> I, I used to use a fertilizer bag when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Damn, giving up gems. Oh, that is great. We do all sorts of things. Like if your snowsuit was. Thick enough, we would just, you know, like a penguin downhill. <laughs> like, there was nothing worse as a kid when you would do all your daytime uh, tobogganing down the hills, okay, <laughs> and, and your your snowsuit would get absolutely soaking wet. So you would go in just about an hour before dinner because that's when your freezing level finally hit, and you would <laughs> you, you would dry everything, you know, put everything over top of the one little heater that's on the floor, okay. <laughs> And then for the evening, you would put all this wet gear back on and get right back out there, run back to the hill, meet your buddies, and and then go until bedtime, right? And uh, you'd just be shivering and and everything would be wet and cold, but you didn't care. You had to go. You had to go. It was just one of those things. Daytime tobogganing sounds like a euphemism for something, but I'm not entirely sure it was. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I think we call that a nooner. You people, you people are sick. People are sick. All right, let's get back to UFOs here uh, for a minute because we do have some audience questions and we do want to get them involved. Let's start off with Joe in California, who is asking, "How many world leaders made a deal like Eisenhower with the aliens to allow them to kidnap people in exchange for technology?" Now, I love this question because I think this is one of those questions that is stuffed deeply in the UFO Pandora's box, sitting about 84 floors below the Pentagon. You know, Nicole, I know you like your woo. I'll I'll give you this one. Oh, well, I can't say I'm really a believer in the Eisenhower document. Like, I know it's part of our lore and our anthology but i i truly don't think there needs to be a government deal struck by et or the phenomenon it's already disclosing itself to us and giving individuals or groups of people you know the experience like that's i think that's the et disclosure it's already happening so I don't think there is deals cut. I think there's probably deals cut between countries, possibly, or this rate, this race to exploit what they've collected or found or crashed material. That that 
end. But I, I think people forget um, the humanity that Eisenhower actually had. You know, he was known for, you know, his time spent in World War II, but he truly loved people and the community. So I don't really see him, you know, fighting for our citizens and fighting for democracy in the free world and then turning around and going, oh, yeah, for this shiny piece of whatever, take whoever you want. Like, I just, I don't see that. I don't see that scenario. Well, it is an interesting scenario. Go ahead. I just don't see an advanced civilization even needing to ask permission to be honest right. with you when we go into the the jungles and the forest we don't consult with anyone before we tranquilize someone and start to figure them out a little bit so uh but if if i had to guess of anybody in the in the world that would have done it it would have been those german dudes because there's so many more uh occult connections to to what they were looking into in ww2 that are very interesting so if if anybody was gonna step up and try to make a agreement with the ets that they would be those guys well i mean hey if you want to believe his great granddaughter lauren eisenhower who believes it's true i mean they're it's a conspiracy that we don't know. And like I always say, Graham, uh, Dan, you know, uh, Nicole and Tim have heard me say this before is same as our audience. I do believe that all of these questions until real disclosure happens, all of these questions are on the block, you know, and, and it's up to the government to prove or disprove Eisenhower and the rumors. It's, it's up to the government to prove or disprove Bob Lazar. You know, we can sit here and debate Bob Lazar all we want, day day in and day out. However, until we actually get the proof in that disclosure movement, then we don't know. And it's still going to be one of those UFO conspiracies that runs amok among many people. It really is. Let's go to another question here uh, regarding G. West. Does the panel have any hope in the team that NASA has created to study UFOs? Is there any news on that? Uh, I'll, I'll hit up that one last <laughs> because I, I, I usually rage when NASA comes up I, on this show. I've got a, I've got a very boring take on it, <clears throat> so I'll go first. If you don't, if you guys don't go mind. ahead. Um, but my understanding of that of the scope of that entire effort is that they're not really studying UFOs. They're performing a study to determine how to study ufos it's just like they're they're scoping their effort they're saying what kind of tools and access what we need to get information and how much would it cost and they're going to take the results of that report and turn around and say well here's a bill here's a bill for research in this what do you guys think do you want to do it or not i think that's all this thing is 
could yeah, be grim. I agree with that. There was a, it was a, it was a minimum amount. Was it a hundred thousand dollars? Was was that how much they allocated to it? I can't remember exactly. Hundred grand. It, it was a, it was a trifle. Yeah, it was a trifling sum in terms of the overall scheme of things. Uh, but that's money that they could spend on on a probe to Saturn or to, or to, to you know to Neptune or something. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of people at the time when they come forward and say, "Oh yes, you know we've got this and we can do this for X amount of money." There'll be other voices raised saying, "Oh yes, but you know that's a scientific organization." We're looking for things you know, in our neighborhood. We're not looking for aliens. So therefore, they'll, they'll probably want to justify the money being spent on something else. So I can see it being sort of pushed into the long grass uh, in, in the future when they do come up with something saying, yes, okay, there's a possibility we might be able to look at something, but it'll cost you. Tim. Yeah, buddy. Your thoughts on NASA? Well, I mean, you kind of know. Um, we've talked about this quite a bit. I was really disappointed to see that really they are just looking into asking the question. They, they are not looking into any of their history. They're not going to be asking their astronauts anything about what they've seen. They're not going to be listening to a conversation with Elon Musk. They're not going to be doing anything like that. And so I expect nothing. Um, again, now they can surprise us. That would be fantastic. But again, I think they're just looking at how to potentially even take a look at this. They're in no way looking to uh, come out with any of the information that they have historically. And, uh, you know, there would be a lot to answer for if they were going to start opening their informational vaults. Nicole? I'll piggyback on what Graham said a little bit with they have such a limited budget that they've uh, decided to work with here. And they've also limited their time. I, I believe if I'm remembering right, they've, they've given themselves months. So, and I, I think if I'm still remembering correctly, we're about halfway through that nine months right now. And what have they really established besides a team? <laughs> and the other thing, uh, like, Tim mentioned, um, they're not going back and looking at their history. I'll piggyback on that a little bit. The ISS, there is so much up on ISS right now that could be utilized to look just sensory data. And on top of what is NASA's up on ISS, there's, I mean... If we're talking about corporations or the military industrial complex, they have projects up on ISS right now. And so to know that they're looking into this, but they're not utilizing what they have up there already. I mean, to me, they could have brought all that to the table to begin with and been like, hey, guys, we have this. <laughs> Help us go through it. You know, let's deem this worthy or not. And Probably my worst case scenario is NASA will be used against us. They'll come out with their findings or say that there really isn't anything to pursue here. And it'll be like a nail in our coffin. They'll be like, well, NASA said it isn't worth it. And then the DOD will say, nothing's a threat. And then it'll all go away. Condon style. That's my worst case scenario. Well, I'm going to give Let it my, I'm going to give my opinion here because I think 
if anybody could look at a joke of ufology, it is NASA. And I have been highly disappointed in anybody in ufology who actually cheers them on for this absolutely useless study when nobody has asked Bill Nelson, who brought the topic out for no reason, what's in your closet, Bill? What's in your closet? And to put icing on the cake of what I am saying, if anybody caught it, and very few people did, with Elon Musk three weeks ago saying his SpaceX rockets are being followed by something anomalous in space. We know that's happened through Mercury and and Gemini, Apollo, the shuttle missions. And for Bill Nelson to absolutely insult the American public saying that we're going to do a study on this for a hundred grand and I'm going to give all my best buds 10 grand each or around that amount of money to hang, come and hang out with me on taxpayer revenue. All he has to do is go through his filing cabinets. That's it. That's it. And the fact that Nelson, in all of his conversations about UFOs, has not mentioned the word NASA once. He's mentioned the Navy, the Navy pilots, how many pilots he's seen. He's seen the videos. He's seen and talked to the pilots about their experiences. He's very curious. Never once has he mentioned astronauts. Okay? McDivitt saw things. Mitchell saw things, Cooper saw things, uh, and a bunch more have seen things. The Russian cosmonaut filming the, the lit-up check mark up on the International Space Station about a year and a half ago. This is happening more frequently. He hasn't addressed Musk's uh, comment about uh, the anomalies following SpaceX. So, Bill, what are you doing? What are you doing? In my opinion, it's making a mockery of what we are talking about. If you guys agree with, uh, disagree with me, please let me know. You know, I'm willing to talk about this and give you the give you the stage here. But to me, I think I think it's a slap in the face to not only the UFO community but to the community at large. As we learn about, well, they this all topic. have, haven't they? If you go back in history, so you go back to um, you know the Robinson panel, you, you, Blue Book, etc., the the Condon uh, report, uh, the, the study, they're all the same. You know, they, they seem to be put forward as being, oh yes, you know, we're really looking into this, we're taking it seriously, but then you know exactly what the outcome's going to be. So it's a, it's a similar kind of uh, thing throughout history. Well, I would also, oh, I would also think that the NASA situation with Bill Nelson being the head, he's kind of like an elected official. He's a temporary employee. He was appointed by President Joe Biden to go in there and do some things. Just like in the United States government, the president's elected, but he's a temporary employee. There's deep state people that have been there for decades that are behind the scenes running the show. I would assume that the, he's that Bill Nelson is facing the same thing at NASA, and that could be a potential explanation for why he hasn't been able to pry that information out quickly. And it's, it's just not readily available to him, possibly. That would be my pushback. I feel like Bill Nelson's heart is in the right place. I feel like he's trying to do the right thing. Do I think he's going to be successful? I don't know. Uh, time will tell, but he is sure bringing a lot of attention that NASA never really wanted uh, to their organization. So I, I got to commend him for that. Well, you know what? Here's the thing, though. And this shows the 
the weakness of journalism, that not one single journalist in his press conferences has asked him point blank, what do you know? Bill, what do you know? You have an interest in this topic. What do you know? And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to to go watch Darcy Weir's documentary on secret space UFOs about Mercury and uh, and Gemini. Okay, it, it you don't have to be a rocket scientist to Wikipedia or Google astronauts who have seen UFOs. And none of them have done it. So that is my argument, because somebody has to put Bill on the spot. That's just common journalism. That's not even trying to be a jerk, okay? But sorry, Bill, you brought this up. You brought up the topic of UFOs a year ago, and and for no reason, now you need to answer. What's in your closet? That's it. That's it. This 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 hits on one of my favorite topics is the fact that the media like this I'm quoting Ross Coltart that the media has been snowed like where is mainstream media investigating this he is just Ross is so, uh, is so shocked that he's the only one that's pursuing it in the way that he's doing it that he's beating everybody to this when everyone should be clamoring to cover this topic and dig Great. into it and it's so interesting and. It's so fun to be in, involved in something that could change humanity for the next 10,000 years in ways that we don't even know yet. So how come no one else is jumping on board with all the evidence that's been presented? That's what we need to know. Where's the media? Everyone else will follow. I can answer I think that. that was my question before. Sorry, go on. I, I, I think that was my question before about, you know, why aren't the media jumping on this report? And yes, okay, I, I understand that social media is like getting more and more um, you know, sort of involved in things and people are taking the news from there rather than mainstream media. But actually, it's still quite important what you see on your television. Certainly in the UK, the BBC um, are still quite important in terms of news givers. Um, so it would be interesting to see you know, what their take of these things are. I can give you two answers to that. Well, one answer and one example. I'll give the example first. I've done over the last year and a half probably three dozen interviews outside of our radio station, Saga 960, about UFOs across Canada. And never once during those interviews has any reporter or talk show host or journalist asked me if this is happening in Canada. They all want to know about what's going on in the United States because to them it's a joke. Never once, and and I've even tried to steer the conversation and say, hey, you know, there is a Canadian side to this we, we may want to look at, right? But the other thing to answer your question, Graham, is we've got about a minute to go here. The media, if you've ever worked in the mainstream media, you know point blank that when a phone call about UFOs or Bigfoot or something strange comes in, you don't have time for it. You think it's a joke. You think it's somebody who's high or drunk or a little bit loony, and you play with them on the phone a little bit. You know, like, uh, you didn't get anal probe now, did you? That's the way it's handled because most journalists – Okay, think they are too good for this subject. 
They think they're too smart for this subject, and they think it more importantly, it's a waste of bylines. It's a waste of space. A key note on that is the New York Times, who sold the most papers since 9-11 on the December uh, 2017 story, and they never followed up the story for four months. Who does that? And there is more to that, but we got to go to break. Final half hour of the special report on UFOs at the UFO Report. Dan Warren, Graham Rendell, Tim Senor, and Nicole Sackage are here tonight. We're going to take them right to the top of the hour. Spaced Out Radio's UFO Report continues right after this. Stay tuned. To follow up on what I'm saying, I actually gave a speech on this uh, in Denver. And what really, when when you as a journalist are covering things that you don't want to cover, okay, you softball it. Like, for instance, the example I used, I hate, and Graham, don't take this the wrong way, but I loathe soccer, okay? Can't stand it. And my my sports director was a soccer nut. So he would have me go cover a Vancouver Whitecaps game. I'd bring my pillow to the pe- to the press box, snore a little bit. No truth. I uh, you could a- ask a Vancouver Province reporter Steve Ewan about waking me up in the press box. And uh, and long story short, okay, when you when you have zero interest in a story, you throw a bunch of softball questions to get in and out. So in my case, it would be, hey, that was a pretty good game, you know. Tell me about your goal. How do you prepare and build the momentum off of the next this one to the next one? Real boring, cliche-type questions. You, you say that to two or three players, and then you get the hell out. Okay? There's no digging because you don't want to be there. Okay? You know, you, you think, God, why am I here? It doesn't matter whether it's, you know, sports or, or politics or whatever it may be. All right? And so from there... You you cut you come back to the station you cut up your stories and then you move on to the next story you don't really care when it comes to this subject they don't know how to cover it and when TTSA they were brilliant when they first came out okay because what they did was they went to all the major media okay and they said hey you don't have to research this we're giving you the fighter pilot we're giving you the guy who ran the organization at the Pentagon. We're giving you the government official in Mellon. That's all you need. There's your story. So TTSA acts. Oh, and by the way, here's the videos we stole. Okay. So TTSA actually did everybody big favors by giving them David Fravor, Lou Elizondo, and Chris Mellon. Because they didn't need anybody else. They don't know anybody in ufology. The mainstream media doesn't know who any of us are. They don't know who Grant Cameron is or Richard Dolan or the late Stanton Friedman or Linda Moulton Howe or whoever's been around the block for decades. They have no clue. So here they've softballed it. You could tell by their questions. Are you sure there's no little green men? Do, 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 do. They're very yeah. superficial, aren't they? The questions, they uh, don't have, they're very shallow. They uh, don't have much depth. Them. But it wouldn't take them much to actually get involved, would it? It wouldn't take a huge amount of effort or work for them to actually look into the subject and find a few people who they could talk to and actually get a few answers which would actually inform their 
you know, sort of uh, what how they would go forward in terms of what questions they would then ask. Because True. you'll see investigative journalism just by looking at political issues and they dig and they dig and they're not satisfied until they get to the bottom of things. And yet in this, you can tell they're just not interested or they just don't understand it. There's a bit of, uh, there's probably a bit of both at play here. And I think the last thing a journalist wants to be is to be shown up that the fact that they don't know what they're talking about. Absolutely. And they don't want to, and, and trust me, they don't want to be the UFO guy or the UFO girl. They don't. Okay. They don't want to have that reputation. They think that that's going to ruin their career on getting raises. Oh, you fell for the conspiracy tinfoil hat crowd. They don't want it. It's scary to them. Okay. And that's the big reason why we we are not seeing the answers that we want. I mean, dude, when Nelson came out and started talking about about UFOs at the NASA podium, there were, what, 10, 20 journalists sitting there? And not one of them says, what about NASA? What does NASA know about this? Not one. How do you miss that question when the head of NASA is standing at a frickin' podium right in front of you? That's impossible. It's impossible, yet it happened. Yeah. Well, look at the effort, again, that they put into this report. They don't want to talk about this topic. And Graham, you brought up a great point. But the reason that they don't go and ask those questions is because they don't want to deal with the answers. Absolutely. 100 percent. You can tell that this report screams that kind of information. Right. And even just going into some of the wordage in here, when they're even talking about NASA, and it says here, word for word, Arrow will coordinate with other non-IC agencies such as and then they named some th- four-letter agencies. There is absolutely no commitment. It's all very general. And honestly, if they did get one detail of information, they would be so inclined to not reveal that, um, at least publicly. Now, Tim, I'm gonna I ha- would be I gotta curious. Cut, Go I got to cut you off right yeah. there. We're going to come back on here in four seconds. Go for it. Third, we're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you missed most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on with the final half hour of our special segment tonight. The UFO report was finally released after all of us waiting three months, and I don't think anybody could be more happier than our good friend Dan Warren over on TikTok at Fifth Pillar of Emphasis, who actually had to use up a number of pieces of chalk on his chalkboard, labeling the days and how many days went by without that report. You know, I got to tell you, Dan, for people who are not subscribed to your Fifth Pillar of Emphasis, they're missing out on the comedy that is there. 
they really are. You got something very special going there. Well, this this subject is missing a lot of fun. Like this subject can be so enjoyable and you can get so much out of it, but people don't tend to do that naturally. So I'm just trying to enjoy myself, enjoy the journey that I'm on with everyone else on UFO Twitter, with everyone else on TikTok, with everybody on this panel as well. So it's a good it's a good uh, spectator sport almost to be involved in and uh, why not have fun with it so that that's what i'm trying to do all right let's get back to the audience questions here the slides that uh apparently uh, reporter d dean johnson saw is anybody got them has anybody seen them are you going to review yeah, them I've, I've, I've got i've got them here yes yeah. from the yeah, the man, he was uh, Sean Kilpatrick was uh, he was talking to the uh, Transportation Research Board, um, so yeah, they're, they're they're all available online. But yeah, they're, they're pretty interesting. In, in some ways, they're actually more interesting than um, the report. Definitely. I'm going to try and bring them up here for our audience. Uh, so, so bef- before we get to the report, I want to kind of put this in everybody's brain as giving them a little perspective on how to review what he's talking about. Sean Kirkpatrick is the director of the ARO program that we've been talking about, the all all domain anomaly resolution office. And so in the presentation slides in the meat of it, they don't bring it to the forefront. They have a new logo. They have a new symbol. And on that logo around the perimeter of it, they have some Latin words on it and I can't read Latin, so I'm not going to attempt it. But when you take those words and put it into the translator, it reads, the universe is changing. Our life is what our thoughts make it. So that is what Arrow is putting out on the logo on this presentation. So I don't know what that means in relation to what they found or what they're thinking. But to me, it almost sounds like it's a hat tip to consciousness, a consciousness connection. I'm trying to find these slides online. You have to go go to D. Dean Johnson's Twitter. Um, you might have to download it. Actually, I texted it to you earlier today. I know, I know. I will uh, get it. I've, I've just said, I've just have a look at the private chat there, Dave. I've I've put a link in there for you. Oh, perfect, perfect. Thank you, because I want to be able to show our YouTube audience uh, what these are all about here. So that way we can actually have a little bit of discussion on them here. All right. Oh, I did see those. I thought I was missing something. All right. Here we go. I just sent them to your signal, too. Got them here. There we go. So we have the the slides here. And, uh, Graham, I'm going to just kind of bring you in here for a quick second. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's go through these. What do these actually mean? So the, it's as I say it was a presentation to the transportation research board, and it was basically just it, it's just a fairly basic kind of look at what RO is doing. So it's you know what they are, what they're hoping to achieve, how they're going to look at the the the, the reports, and and how it actually applies. Well, in this case, how it applied to the transportation research board. So they go through and they talk about, and as we mentioned before, it does mention spaceborne. Um, you know, that's what uh, UAP are sources of anomalous spaceborne, airborne, seaborne, or transmedium observations that are not yet attributable to known actors or causes. So there's your definition. 
Um, it, it talks about you know, how it was set up in terms of it's a uniquely capable defense department organization uh, that it pulls in operational, scientific and intelligence capabilities to try and work out what UAP are. Uh, and it goes through all the various um, types. It goes through their mission statement. It, it has their visions of what they're looking to achieve. It then mentions about where these things are, are supposedly cited. So it mentions about reporting over U.S. territory and, and their operating areas. Uh, talks about possible threats to the immediate safety of U.S. citizens and government facilities. That's a priority for them. Um, also, there's um, uh, operating areas sensitive. Uh, also strategic capabilities. So I think we're talking about nuclear assets there, uh, not just um, nuclear uh, weapons facilities, but probably nuclear power plants, that kind of thing. Um, and then there's talking about foreign territory. So we're looking at overseas from the United States as well. Um, and there is that link that Dan mentioned before to that uh, talk about the Chinese wanting to you know, uh, get that the Chinese angle. Um, and then there's just a breakdown of how um, Arrow basically is, is set out and how it integrates towards um, operations and research and uh, analysis and also communications with other bodies. So they're talking about you know, working with stakeholders. So that, that's management speak for other agencies effectively uh, that have a, an interest in this. But they also talk about, um, you know, in the actual report, it's not necessarily mentioned here, the talk about um, sharing information with foreign partners. And I'd love to know what, you know, what is being shared. Is that more of a one-way street? Are the Americans getting information from abroad, but they're not necessarily sharing too much about what they know with the likes of the UK? It would be, it would be lovely to work that out. Um, they're talk- the the focus of this presentation is really, I think, that we're trying to encourage more reporting from uh, from the likes of the TRB, etc., because part of the one of the slides is about educating uh, aviators and crews. So you know they we're trying to break the stigma down again because the, obviously it's important that they get more information. Um, so and so uh, another part of that says encourage reporting because they, they they admit that and here's the phrase historically reticence to UAP reporting has limited the government's ability to guard against aerial safety and security threats and if they look at it from a threat angle which we discussed earlier then the more information they have from an intelligence angle the better and that's always something that they've, they've always strived towards even back in the blue book days of the 1950s they were you know clamoring for more information every Every official release said, um, you know, we're trying to improve the intelligence. So that's part of it. And then the other bit on that particular slide mentions about leverage our expertise and systems. So that they're looking at ways that when they do get this information, they can work with uh, military, civil, industrial partners to develop um, the reporting mechanisms so that it becomes easier for people to report uh, to report UAP sightings, and then that information can be quickly um, sort of put into the overall uh, pot of information they have, so they can you know analyze things better, and then they can feed back to all these reporting agencies to say, yeah, we need more of this kind of thing. So yeah, that's basically the, the you know where this presentation, the kind of like uh, direction of travel is going, and I'm sure this presentation, if it hasn't done already, will have been provided to other other agencies and other groups. You know, one thing that I do know about that to add to what you just said, Graham, is I do know that the Canadian government has been read in on this subject a couple of times. And I know members of Parliament 
on the opposition side have been read in as well. So Justin Trudeau and his government were read in in 2021 and again in 2022, uh, early in February, March of 2022. So there is some some truth to what what you're saying there about the foreign governments. That's for sure. And I would I would lean more towards the five eyes on that. Let's get to let's get to another question here from our audience. Let's go to Bad Cop No Donut. Are you oh sorry, we already had that one. I apologize. Uh and let's go to Mennonite Abe. How many of these quarterly UAP reports will we see before they finally start giving up the goods? Nicole, let's start with you on this one. All of them. As many as they'll crank out, I don't think they're ever going to give up the goods. I don't mean to be the negative Nancy about it, but I just, I, I argue this in private groups all the time. I just, I don't think it's going to happen. I think the two-stepping and the, the disorganization is going to continue. How about you there, little Timbit? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm like, so I am a little bit newer to this topic. So for me, these are massive steps. So I I mean, personally, uh, this is big. And so for me to hear the USG speaking on this topic so seriously, um, I get little nuggets out of everything that comes out. And so um, I do think we're going to get more information as they retrieve it. I, I think it will be like pulling teeth again, but I think if we follow very closely and listen to the narrative and maybe with help from people like Lou Elizondo that drop little nuggets and people like Chris Mellon that kind of have their finger on the pulse, perhaps we'll get some information with the help of these reports. And now publicly, I don't expect very much, but behind closed doors, I hope that the real information is getting to the people that can make some legislative changes in some positive way to help deal with this topic. And I, I don't quite see how they would, but um, you know, those are the decisions that Congress needs to make. So I do see more of these reports coming and I do see more information coming from them. At some point, they're going to have to explain exactly what um, these 171 cases potentially really are. Lou Elizondo on Twitter today was was uh, cheering up a bunch of people who were congratulating him, saying that he expects 2023 to be a big year. It kind of coincides with this question. Do any of you see this happening? Do any of you see this, this going forward, that we are going to be getting more out as 2023 goes along? That's always the hope. That's always the dream. Um, there's always actually, there seems to be a, a, a massive, once again, if we take a step 10 years back and we look at what was going on then compared to what's going on now, we're moving at a very quick pace compared to where we were. So do I think that momentum is going to continue? Yes. Do I think that we're going to get the goods this year? I don't necessarily hold my breath for that, but I do think that we're going to continue to see progress being made. Um, 
I do want to circle back to the quarterly reports, but first I also want to say, Graham, oh my goodness, you really impressed me with your ability to do all that recall on the slides. I read through them once and I couldn't have done a fraction (laughs) of what you were able to recall. That was very impressive, sir. That that was impressive. That was impressive, Uh, Graham. But on the on the quarterly reports, a technicality, we're not going to see any of the quarterly reports. Those are just for the members of Congress and the policymakers. We only see the public facing annual reports. Um, but what I'm hoping those will uh, solicit is that more Lou Elizondo's will get fed up with being, hey, they know the people that know something's going on are going to get fed up. And if these reports keep coming out as uh, copy and paste burgers, then they're going to eventually say, well, I'm going to resign and then I'm going to leave and then I'm going to be an advocate on the outside to do what's right for the American people, just like Lou Elizondo has. So I'm hoping that's what is going to be the end result of these reports is that it frees people up to speak more openly about it and to take action and help the American people and help the world and help humanity and see where this goes. Yeah, I agree. I think the information that we'll get this year, if we get anything, will come from people who the government can't necessarily control to any great degree. So that's where the progress will be made. Uh, In terms of what comes out of the official reports, we will still continue to get this um, every time one is released. And there'll be a big there'll be a big palaver about that's a great word uh, about, um, you know, how long it takes for these reports to come out. And inevitably, there'll be more delays. uh, But when we get it, It'll be a cut and paste job again with just a few extra bits of information about the number of sightings. And I suspect, like I said before, they'll probably gloss over the previous ones because they've got a lot of work to do to go back about these cases and try and work out what they are. And if they are going to go back to 1945, like they've said, that they're going to do this historical kind of you know retrospective, then that's a ton of work. Who's going to have the time uh, and resources to be able to feed all that information uh, into a database to you know, to work out um, kind of trends and patterns from all that. That's a fantastic amount of effort uh, and uh, and work that will be needed. Very true. Very true. We only have about five minutes to go here. Let's go to Pam. Do we know what the difference is between a disc sighting uh, that she saw in her youth or a triangle? Have we Have we figured out the differences yet? Well, I've always assumed that there's a propulsion system uh, effect on it. A a saucer is a perfect circle. If there's a power source in the middle of it that extends in a radius form, then it's going to make a perfect bubble. Uh, The triangles, they have lights on the end of them. So that, to me, is an indicator there's something associated with them with the main power source being in the middle from what the lore says. But... um, it's also different. That's one thing I always get in arguments with people about that say, if that spacecraft could fly from a different galaxy to here, why would it crash? Well, I don't think that all spacecraft or all UFOs have the ability to travel those long distances. That's why there's things that we would refer to as motherships. That's why we have battleships that go across the ocean. And then we have planes that launch off of them to go do a task. So I think different shapes do have different tasks associated with them. What those tasks are, I don't know. The biggest question of the night comes from Neil. Why couldn't they have just brought out this report back in late October? Have any of you investigated or found out why there was a three-month delay on this? 
I think they owe us an explanation, man. This is yeah. lame. This is a Not lame duck. Yeah. I think it speaks to the amount of disorganization that is still happening. You know, I, I know um, a few months ago, uh, Gillibrand was asked, I think it was actually when um, Kirkpatrick was uh, named as head as Arrow. And, you know, he kind of didn't, it seemed like he didn't know what to do with this promotion if you want to look at it as a promotion and she told him you know to make it his own and to you know use his resources and really turn this into something big and i think this speaks to the groups we've seen since i like to take it back to the invisible college but when it was truly you know named the avery or the advanced theoretical physics working group I think what we've seen with these groups in the past is that they have a want to look at this or they're pressured or pushed or they have a desire from the inside, but then there's lack of money, lack of organization. If they have a little bit of money and a little bit of idea of what they want to do, they one person thinks it's their job or they should do this or another person thinks they should do this. Almost like what we even saw with um, the Bigelow skinwalker ranch saga so we get all these scientists out there but they don't really have a true set of what they're going to do and then something happens and they didn't have their equipment set up i think there's a lot of factors at play here still that's what i was touching on earlier even with blue book so we had two four five guys with project blue book running all over the country investigating cases and here we have Arrow and ODNI organizing themselves, and we keep getting told, oh, we're in the you know formation of this. It's going to take some time. Are they really putting the effort in to turn these into good programs, or are we going to see them stall out as their money runs out and they remain unorganized? Like That's what I think. I, I think Somebody was like, oh, you weren't doing the report? I thought you were making the report. Who's in charge of the report? Like, ah, the report's due tomorrow. You know, that sort of thing. I just, I think they're going to push it off and blow it off as much as possible because maybe Sean Kirkpatrick is the head of this, but in my mind, he's not really steering the ship yet. You know, does he have a team in place? Have, has they, have they named the team? Like, do they all have their job assignments? Do they know what they're going to do? And his leadership, his leadership keeps getting changed around too. Now it's not going to be Moultrie and I forget who it was. It's going to be Hicks and Stacy Dixon, I believe. So, so that's a whole new dynamic that's just been thrown who, on. Who, who made, who made the evaluations as to, oh yeah, they're possible balloon like entities, you know, who, who, who made all these kind of evaluations you know, what, what are their expertise in being able to make such determinations? Well, we saw this with the Oak Shannon notes and the Jack Hope notes piggybacking off of the Wilson Davis notes. You know, it's they, they come together. They have a kind of a makeshift goal, but then it's like, oh, we need to bring in this person or we need to bring in that person. And whether or not they do get who they want to head this, 
you know, and then it all falls through. So panel that's where I think we're at. I want to say thank you, Nicole Sackage, Tim Senor, Graham Rendell, Dan Warren, and of course Walter Bosley, Christina Gomez, and Don Schmidt for coming in for a great special tonight on the UFO panel, and we're going to continue asking these questions. That's what we have to do. That is the job we volunteered for, for the public, to inform you on what's going on on all mediums, whether it's terrestrial radio, alternative podcasts and YouTube channels, TikTok, social media, wherever it may be. So thank you to the panel tonight. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with the little brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, the Space Travelers Club, LinkedIn, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyrighted by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we're watching. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night. Good night.